A fresh start, a new beginning, a close-knit family. It's moving day and Ben Decker's living the American dream. Green grass and picket fence included. Everything's just so at 1737 17th Street. Until she shows up. I just love seeing your perfect little family through my window. From the mind of award-winning author Dan McDowell comes a riveting psychological thriller. Dark, winding, and highly addictive, this suburban chiller contrasts the mundane routines of family life with the grimness lurking in its shadows. Some people call you paranoid. I call you prepared. When she comes knocking, order your copy from blackrosewriting.com or at all major booksellers. Modelo out of a straw. That is a classy. Thank you, Cholo Myers. Everybody, Cholo Myers. I have to give it to him. I have seen this man at many an occasion. And he doesn't ne- he never speaks. And he will literally text something, show you the phone, and go back. He's just perfect. We knew we had to have him. So hey, feel free. You do whatever you want, man. These people are like, uh, yeah, go get him. Go get him. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Ghost Eye Theater. How are we feeling? Good, good. We're going to talk about some spooky shit today. Yeah, and fun shit. So hope you're ready. Uh, Speak plain, my child. We got to address the elephant in the room. Oh. We are down a member tonight. Kelsey could not make it. She was taken away. Brian, please explain. It's just really hard. I just. So the Humane Society, usually I love them, but they let me down. They told Kelsey, basically, because uh, she does all the PR for them, it was like, you need to be on this plane. You need to be doing this thing. And she's like, well, I already have a thing. And it was kind of like, too bad. So, unfortunately, uh, I think Kelsey's on a plane right now. So. Um, we're going to FaceTime her. What? No idea we're doing this. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope she actually picks up. <laughs> you think you didn't tell her this? No, I did not tell her this. <laughs> this is what she gets for not being here. She, oh. she could have quit her job. <laughs> I've quit my job twice for this podcast. <laughs> she can't quit one. She's not answering. God. Come on, Kels. Come on. She has to know. <gasps> she hang up on you? She's never answered everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> Left us on red. Well, either way, hopefully maybe she'll call back during the middle of it and we can uh, we can say hi to her. But you know what? We don't need Kelsey to have a good time or a good show. We also have Jacob from the Basement Dweller podcast. He also is our producer. And uh, if you guys have been watching the live streams on Twitch, he's the man behind the cam. And he does all the setup and stuff. And Uh, also our boy Jeff, uh, who has been a cameraman for a long time. Thank you, guys. We got to give it up for Christina coming through the curtain. Everybody look at her and point. Yeah. Group glare. <laughs> She's our brand manager. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Brand manager. Well, whether you want it or she not. Now. There's a lot of cool merch and a lot of fun things back there. So before you guys go, take a look at it. And uh, we have exclusive merch here that you will not get anywhere else but at this show. So take a look before you leave. Uh, the exclusive merch was designed by Colt Creep. Let's give it up for Colt Creep. Are we done shouting things out? No. Uh, 
want to talk about uh, your trip. What is your is your mic on? Uh, is it now? It is now. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to let everyone know. How much are we paying you for this? Do your signature. Oh, movie. we're not going to do that. <laughs> That's uh, let everyone know that this is brought to you by Basement Dollar Productions. Oh my god! Uh, there you, you go. Get everybody. those stickers and uh, watch my show every Friday. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. All right, go ahead. Continue. Um, I was not able to go. It got very dark out there. I like that. Oh yeah. Ooh. We're gonna t- we're gonna talk about Bigfoot. Oh, there he is. I was uh, like, where's Cholo? He's right behind. Okay, yeah. Brian, you went looking for the Mogion monster. I did. You guys know what the Mogion monster is? Some of y'all do. It's Arizona's own Bigfoot up on the Mogion rim. There's been sightings, footprints. Anything else? Yeah. When they tore the trees out and then stuck them in the ground upside down. Okay. That was. Did you see? What did you see? Talk. Tell us through your your Mogion trip. That's true. I forgot you weren't there. I wasn't there. Um, I can't even blame the Humane Society for this one. So this one's on you, pal. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so, jerk. Uh, no, so we went to the rim, and if you guys don't know where the Mogion Rim is, it's basically just like super north from here, and it's just like a massive shelf, and you can look out into the valley and all these trees, and it's it's just like really incredible. But at a few places around there, different lakes uh, and campgrounds, there's been uh, sightings of the Mogion monster. And sometimes he's like going through trash, uh, like campsites. Sometimes he's smacking trucks. I don't know why, but it was still scared the crap out of me. Uh, so I was like, you know what? We're going to go here by this lake, found a camping spot where I actually listened to a story of a Bigfoot coming out of the canyon because we went to uh, Chevalon Lake, Can- Chevalon Canyon Lake. That's where it was. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, we're actually going to. We already have plans for our next location, Holly Lake, which uh, my dad actually has a, a print of a cast of a Bigfoot, and it's incredible. Give it up for Brian's dad. <laughs> uh, so anyways, um, we went there and we did uh, some calls, some wood knocks. What did your call sound like? Well, uh, so Bigfoot has, oh man, I wish I had him right now. Mine but- goes, here's my call. I go. I go, ah, ah, like that. Yeah. What do your guys sounds like? Yeah. Give me a, give me a everybody Bigfoot do a call. Bigfoot call right now. Go. <laughs> oh, like that. there we go. What okay. was that over here? <laughs> oh, that's good. oh my God. I don't care who you are. You hear that at 1am in the middle of the woods. You're, you're pooping. I'm leaving. <laughs> if you can. <laughs> uh, so uh, we actually blasted some of the uh, recorded sounds um, of supposed Bigfoot, which are terrifying. We opened my buddy's uh, car door or his truck doors and we just cranked it and we just blew out these blood curdling screams into the night. It was so cool because obviously there's What's no. What they, what they sound like? Well, there's there's a bunch of different ones. There's well, uh, do. well so well, I we just want to hear some screaming. Yeah, you do. We did. We did. We did whoops. In well, fact, like, no, no, no. Oh. You know what? I actually see like my say- friend in the, in the, in the, uh, yeah. You give, give us, give us your whoop that you did on your calls. <laughs> like that. Cause okay. it sounds, it's very monkey-ish, you know? All right. You do one and then you, what? Were you guys trying to cat call the Mogion monster? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. We're calling him in. It was like, <laughs> it's kind of like a, it, it's, it's much, you got to, you know how to make a cryptid feel very pretty. Look, 
I love him. I love him. I want to, I don't want to meet him. I do want to meet him, but mm, I'm terrified of him. What, what, are, what's something you're scared of, but you respect great white shark sharks. Oh, dude. 100%. It's my biggest fear of all time. Oh yeah. Hey, well, Tony, what's your favorite horror movie of all time? Sleepaway camp. No, it's jaws. Damn it. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't, when we're improv. <laughs> I mean, jaws is like probably my favorite. I don't as a horror movie, so it's more of like a thriller drama. Okay. I don't know. I just, when you go to a video store back like I did as a child, Jaws was in the drama section. When you rode your horse to Blockbuster. Yeah. Back in my day, I had a membership card. I did. Me too. God. Uh, I, never, I never went in the back room, though. There's a back room? Wait, are we talking oh, about yes. the back rooms, like where all the creepy? Yeah, some of us in here remember the back rooms of videos. Oh there, it was God. either doors mm-hmm. or you had, get a, you had to get a key. You had to get a key to get I've never there. seen that at a Blockbuster. Never no, once. Blockbuster didn't have these rooms. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, Blockbuster was sucked. They Blockbuster did? had adult rooms? Damn. I never saw one of those. Those are called Cockbusters, oh. not Blockbusters. <laughs> Wrong store. That's probably why that one blockbuster is still open because they have a back room. <laughs> you guys, oh man, I was not going to tell this story, but I probably should. I mean, now you have to. Okay. You, you guys remember um, Fry's Electronics? They yeah. used to be so cool. It was like you go in there, get any tech stuff, and then they just slowly died for years and was like, oh no, no, we're still good. We're still good. And then pff, now they're gone. Well, I, when I was at my parents, live right next to the one that looks like the Aztec Wait, temple. does your dad know about this story? Because he's here. All right, here we go. <laughs> Everybody give a shout out to Brian's dad. Brian's dad. Shout out to Brian's dad. Also, he has the best Bigfoot shirt on I've ever seen. He's about to ground you, probably. What's this? <laughs> What'd you do that got us from the porn rooms at video Fry's Electronics? Well, f- uh, first, dad, can you just, like, come in the light? You don't have to come up, but just to show off your shirt? No? Come on, come on. Dude, it's the coolest shirt. It's, uh, well, you'll see. I love this shirt so much. I wish I was. Dude. You come oh, up you here. Can. Sit you can, you you can do whatever you want. No. You come up here and join us we got, for this we story. Got Big One Foot. more time for Brian's dad. Surface. Yes. <laughs> Dude, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He, he uh, and I have a, he's like where my, my love of Bigfoot came from because also, he showed me. I have a I have an avid Hawaiian shirt collection. I'm gonna need his number later to see where he's getting. Dude, his. He's got the best ones. He's got one with pineapples. He's Dude, looking really good. Just he's do what they do in like sports and trade shirts at the end of the show. <laughs> That's okay. cool. All right, a little we'll do that. jersey swap. Absolutely, yeah. So let me tell you this story so we can get back to the scary stuff. Okay, I went to Best Buy. I had a gift card. Prize Electronics. No, I went to Best Buy. Oh, okay. You want to tell the story? I'm no. I thought you got messed up. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I, I envisioning it. I didn't mean to yell. I'm There's sorry. fries electronics. You're like, no, nah, man. It's I'm okay, going to okay, Best okay. Buy. I got a gift well, card. Well, we all know where this fries electronics was. It's a Best Buy over here. I went I over did. here, spent some money, bought a game, and I tucked it in my pocket. And I was like, I'm not going to need the receipt. I go to Fry's Electronics. I'm looking around. I go to the game section. I go. I find a game I want, and I go. You know what? I forgot about this one, and I pull it out of my pocket. Look around, and my friend's there, and I said, I'm going to get in trouble for this. So I put it back in my pocket. I have the one. I go and pay. The second I get to that door, it was like Cholo Myers, just like turns the corner, 
and they're like, sir, give me your hands. And I was like, oh. They went straight for an arrest? Straight for it. They grabbed my hands. They got me in handcuffs. They even asked Dude. for a receipt? No. No, 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 because they saw me put it back in my pocket. Oh, my And they God. thought, oh, oh, they like they saw the last sick, the last second of it, you know? So then, oh, you know, all these people in there are like, oh, my God. And the, the, all the moms are, like, grabbing their kids, like, don't be like him, honey. Oh. Like, you filthy criminal. And I'm just like, this is bullshit. Oh, God, I got, I got lawyers. And I was like, no, I didn't say that. So they kicked me in the side room, and uh, I had to explain my story. My, my friends are like, oh, my God, he's getting arrested. They take off because they don't know what else to do. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. So then I'm sitting in there just like, this is dumb. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to explain the story a million times. They come back. Apparently, they ran to the Best Buy, dug through the trash, grabbed my receipt, ran it all the way back, and were, like, pounding on the security door, like, we have a receipt, we have a receipt. And I was like, I told you, like, I, I wasn't lying. I was I'm innocent. Yeah. I was like, yeah. and I was like, copper. Yeah. No, I didn't yeah. do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, <laughs> it sounded cool though. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Yeah. You weren't going to buy it. Mm. Yeah. I just cried. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that one, I believe much more. <laughs> uh, so anyways, they're looking through the footage. They're looking through the footage, making sure I'm like, guys, the proof's right here, whatever, whatever. They're like, all right, we're not going to call the cops. And I'm like, okay, either am I. I was like, why would you? I didn't do anything. And then uh, I realized that one of the guys over there is smirking. He, or not smirking, like, like, <clears throat> and I'm like, uh. why's that guy laughing over there? I'm like, what the hell, you know? So then I finally, this gets worked out. I go home. I say, hey, mom, look, I just got handcuffed. And she's like, okay, right. And then I showed her all the cuff marks. And then her eyes just, and she's like, <laughs> Give me your phone. And I was like, okay. So I got her the house, house phone. I was like, go. And she goes, what'd they do to you? I was like, well, just kind of scared me a little bit. Your mom turned into Batman? Dude, she goes in the room. She, this is what she said to me. She grabbed her phone. She went, I'll be right back. She goes into my- I'll be right back. I don't go into my parents' room ever. When that door closes, when we were kids, it was like, yeah. mom and dad are talking. They're, they're going to come out with answers. Or- Good night. <laughs> He's right there. Oh, shit. I got to look at God. him. I got to look at him for the rest of the show now. <laughs> Anyways, no. Uh, so my mom comes out. <clears throat> She's all composed. And she goes, it's taken care of. And I was like, what the hell did you do? Right? Then it hits me. Is that why Fry's Electronics is out of business? Your Damn. mom shut him down? My mom's a badass. Now, I think that was Amazon, but oh. hey, this is a much better story. Yes. So then it hits me and my eyes open. And I was like, oh my God. Why the guy was laughing, all of it just like flooded back in. Before we hit the game section with this game in my pocket, it was me, a 19-year-old, my friend, a 19-year-old, and my friend, a 17-year-old. We found the porn section. At Fry's Electronics? Fry's Electronics had a red velvet roped off porn. And I said, what the hell is this? This is where they keep all the kids? To no. No. So I'm looking at these. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm grabbing butthole bunnies four and all these ones. And I'm like, hey, Anthony, you can't come in here because we're old. And he's like, shut up, you know, sit on the other side. We're rubbing these DVDs all over us. We're looking and grabbing all this stuff. And I was like, that security guard followed me on the cameras and had to watch me just rub <laughs> porn DVDs and be like, ooh, you can't come in here, Anthony. Uh, and he's like, shut up. And I was like, 
That motherfucker had to watch me with a straight Dude. face. If some mystical being came to me and was like, Tony, we will let you watch this footage, but we're taking 10 years off of your life, I'm in. <laughs> so in. I would give anything to see this. Yeah, but then anyways, moral of the story. Uh, yeah, what is the moral of the story? Uh, don't, I don't know, it's just porn, you know? Keep your receipt. Keep, Keep your receipt. receipt. <laughs> Keep your receipt. Keep or have, good, have friends that are good at running. <laughs> Keep uh, your receipts, everybody. We have another announcement that we haven't said anywhere. Can we, can we say that? Can what we, we say that? Oh. <laughs> what, are we, what are we announcing? You know. I don't. Tap. Tap. Room. Room. I was going to announce that at the end of the show, but. Okay, fine. We'll wait. We're here now. Go. Just building dramatic tension. No. You guys got to wait. Okay. There I you go. love every time that I look out to the crowd. They're all beautiful. I see Cholo Myers in a different spot. Creeping. He was there, and then he was there. Oh, he's moving now again. He's, now he's oh, moving God. again. Now you stirred him up. You, you don't got to move. I just love seeing, like, it's like a different Where's Waldo page. Like, <laughs> I turn the page, and oh, I love you. <laughs> oh. oh, everybody take your pictures. He's posing. It's definitely like we brought a little slice of 28th and Indian school to our <laughs> oh, humble theater. For sure. Dude, it's the Medela with a straw for me. Yeah, it's Straight little... out of Zia Records. Hey, I worked there. Joe Speaking Lomar. of this awesome combination, do you remember in the remake of uh, Halloween when Danny Trejo does nothing but be nice to to uh, to Michael Myers? And Vaguely. Then, and then he just beats the shit out of him like as he's escaping. That's one of the saddest movie moments of all time. You don't remember that? <laughs> no. I watched that does movie Does anyone remember once. that? There's a scene. There's multiple scenes where Danny Trejo is like giving Mike like extra food or like uh-huh. just not treating him like a monster. Yeah. And then the opportunity, he, as soon as he's able to escape, he like the only person in his way is his one friend, and he just wails the shit out of him. Oh, that made me really sad. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Also, yeah. I gotta say something. Yeah. Why do horror movies have animals in them, and then the animals die? Do we not have every to horror do movie? That? Not every horror movie. I know, like but like it happens. You see a cat, and you're like, ah, oh, shit, that one's gonna. It's a good segue, sir. Because the one movie where the animal doesn't die is a movie I love called Orca, the Killer Whale. Have you guys seen Orca, the Killer Whale? Yes. It Wasn't came- Dumbledore in that? He was in it, yes. He's who Orca fights. Yeah. Um, Orca, the Killer Whale came out right after Jaws when Hollywood was like, oh, my God, let's make killer animal movies. But this one was about the Orca seeking revenge <laughs> on this whaler, which is literally happening right now in Spain. What? In Spain, there's a pod of orca whales that is deliberately sinking ships because there's one, what witnesses have said is there's one orca, the largest one, which is like, <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Cholomar's just staring at me like, you don't say. Uh, they say, they say there's, there's one, there's one orca. Dude, there's one orca that's like the ringleader, okay? And he's teaching these other little orcas how to sink these ships. This hurts my knees. I'm fat. Um, <laughs> so they're like, this one big orca will run up to it, will swim up to a boat it and runs. ram it. And then the other ones are like, oh, okay. And then the big one steps back and they start like ramming it. Holy shit. They're like, he, like the big ones supervise it. They're just attacking boats in Spain. Because they said that this one large orca got hit by a boat. Oh, and bomb. now he's like, fuck your boats. 
<laughs> so it's also some boss queen pussy power shit, too. Damn. All right. You know, we wow. can think that this is cool, but this is exactly how Planet of the Apes started. I just want to make that <laughs> oh absolutely you know, This is why I don't go anywhere near the ocean. Yeah, we don't. We don't That's why. Because that. they're always like, orcas have never attacked people. It's like, well, you don't know. What do you mean? Blackfish? Hello? Have we seen the, the documentary Blackfish? No. What? About SeaWorld and how they were treating uh, Tilikum, the, the, the massive orca. Yeah. And then he ate, well, he didn't eat her, but he, he ragdolled her. One of his trainers, man. Well, they're talking about orcas in the wild. Th- then they went into that, too. You know, yeah. watch the documentary. I don't okay. want to. It looks sad. Yeah, but it's kind of cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's all it takes. That's all, yeah. <laughs> uh, do we also want to talk about, uh, before we go to our next thing. Yes. Do we want to talk about... I lost it. We'll talk about it later. All right, good. Okay. Hey, everybody, we'll we get, have a we'll special guest here tonight. Are we ready for oh. a special guest? You, oh. you guys, yeah. I got to actually sit through um, one of his presentations at the Winter Horror Fest. Oh, my God. It was, like, incredible. It was, like, two hours of just, like, I was fascinated. So I really hope that he has enough time. It's not going to be two hours, but I'm just saying... Hopefully, we can get a lot of information in this man. It, it, the story's fascinating. Uh, also, he said it was totally cool. If you have questions while he's talking, hand up, just like in class. And then, because uh, it's, it's fascinating. Ooh, what is that? We were going to have a, we're going to have some dry ice and fog, <laughs> but it's not working. So, there's no mystery on the scary ready. Past, you get, guys. Wait, hang on. Father, Father Vampire, are you ready? Okay. Whenever he comes through the curtain, Brian, blow in that as hard as you can. So be careful. Don't touch it. Okay? All right. We're, let me move. Okay. Everybody, Father Vampire. Yes. It worked. Hello, Father Vampire. Welcome. Hope you guys oh, are ready please. to learn. Is he not the most handsome man you've like, ever seen, by the are way? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I love this guy. Dude. Oh, my goodness. Dude. The one word I always use to describe Father Vampire is regal. Oh, yeah. Like, For sure. Just like that. Hell yeah. You look very Game of Thronesy. I like it. <laughs> yes. Except do away with it. Yes. That's what you look like, and I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> so, Father Vampire... So what Brian? is the story that you just need to tell us? Everything you ever wanted to know about vampires, but we're scared to death to ask. That's what tonight is going to be all about. I'll tell you right now, everything you thought you knew about vampires can pretty much all be thrown out the window. Ryan knows this firsthand. Um, I, I love having an audience because uh, the journey we're going to take is going to be one that uh, is unlike any you've ever taken. And eventually we'll get literally out of this world. So I guess go ahead. I mean, yeah. Why, why is everything we know about vampires wrong? What happened? How did it get that way? Uh, I'm going to use an analogy. Uh, Why is everything we think we know about Santa Claus wrong? It's very, very similar. Hold on. Don't go run a Santa Claus for me. (laughs) Yeah. Tony still believes. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a literal, Uh, 
I'm sorry. No. Sorry. <laughs> there was a literal St. Nicholas. We all know that. And St. Nicholas became Santa Claus. In fact, Santa Claus is just a variant of the name St. Nicholas. Uh, but he doesn't live at the North Pole, and he doesn't have elves, and he doesn't make toys, and all the rest. Well, the same is true for the Slavic vampire. And uh, so that's why we're going to reveal to you who the real Slavic vampire is. And uh, this is an audience participation. I uh, cut out there for a second. And again, I think I think like the these are brand new mics. I'm sorry. I think like the farther you get away from them, they like automatically like, oh, there's your voice. You have to like stay in here. We'll give it a shot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so hey, uh, maybe I talk go. louder. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. What's a vampire? I mean, uh, there are so many different definitions. We uh, are we have been told since we were kids that. Vampires rise from the grave to drink the blood of the living. Uh, we're told also that they go all the way back to Egypt and Sumer and all of that. But the problem with that, though, is if the Slavic vampire never drank blood and never rose from the grave, then what happens with those traits when you take them back to Egypt and Sumer? There's no more vampire. If the vampire is not defined as a blood drinker, or somebody who rises from the grave, then all these supposed vampires that we see in antiquity suddenly disappear. So this is what we're going to talk about. Where did the modern vampire, the vampire we see up on the movie screen, come from? I'll start off by letting you know the vampire existed for over a thousand years that we know of before ever they were claimed to rise from the grave and drink blood. So in all that time, what were vampires doing if not drinking blood? This is what we're going to discover. Do you know how recently vampires were first claimed to drink blood? Anybody? The 1800s. Close. 1776. A little bit before that. <laughs> Take that back only 50 years and you got it. Ooh. 1725 was when the Serbian vampire panics began, and it only happened in South Slavic lands, the Balkan area. Okay? That's where it all got started. Prior to that, nobody had ever heard of a blood-drinking vampire. Yet vampires are all the way back to the Proto-Slavic period, which is in the 4th century. So that's 1,200 years before then. So... The way we get started with all of this is very simple. With the exception of blood drinking and rising from the grave, what other vampire traits are we told about? Can't see the reflection. Garlic? Can't see the reflection. They don't, they don't like garlic? Okay, the garlic bit. Now, the garlic bit does come from folklore. Uh-oh. We're completely out now. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know. You what... want mine? I, I got a... <laughs> <laughs> I heard you cutting out. We'll give it a shot. Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's okay. No problem. Okay. Hello. Okay, this is a little better. Okay. So let's get started. Besides blood drinking and and, uh, and rising from the grave, you mentioned... Well, like, if you have sex with one, they lose their soul and they turn evil. Is that what you heard? That's what I saw in Buffy. Ah, this I is the perfect example. That's where I get my vampire yeah, facts, There too. we go. Yeah, yeah. We all get it from oh, Hollywood. They sparkle. They sparkle. That's they right. Sparkle. Yeah. Coffins. coffins. Sleeping coffins. That's right. Oh, the bat. Yeah, the bat. They bats. turn into bats. <laughs> they, can't, they can't come into someone's house unless they're invited. Right. Oh. With the exception of a couple of those, all those are the inventions of Hollywood. 
the no seeing reflection that got started with Bram Stoker's Dracula. Hmm. Okay. That was 1895. What about fangs? Fangs have never been reported in Slavic lands. Never. That's mm. entirely Hollywood. Wait a minute. <laughs> the way, okay. The very first supposed vampire that we have in history occurred in 1659. So 17th century, as you mentioned, by a guy by the name of Jure Grando. He was the very first vampire, supposedly, in history. And uh, he never drank blood. Okay, he rose from the grave. He died. He rose. He was a ghost. He pestered his wife for sex. And, and uh, the, the, the no change, right? That sounds like Even me. after death. <laughs> not even death can stop a horny man. Not at all. Not at all. But when he would, the way, though, that he was such a terror was is that he would go around to people's houses at night and supposedly knock on their doors and everybody in the house died. No, that's it. That's all the man did. Supposedly, it was knock on people's doors at night and everybody inside died. The ghost of him, not him. The ghost right, of him. the okay. ghost of him, supposedly. Okay, he was a revenant. What's that? <laughs> oh, got okay. a list. Gotcha. <laughs> But this is the this is what they believed. Now we find out later that it was due to sudden bit, uh, bouts of pandemics. Hello, we know what those are about, okay? But it killed people. But they point that though, any time that there was any kind of a calamity, whether it be unexpected deaths, whether it be fires, whether it be uh, your cattle died, your crops failed, guess who? All of that got blamed on the vampire. Okay, nobody's drinking blood here. Just did anything bad happen to you, all of a sudden the vampire is to blame. So it began as basically Slavic folklore to describe anything bad that might happen. He was the, 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 the epitome of the bogeyman, okay? All of that changed, however, when the Serbian vampire panics began, and that was in 1725. It only lasted a short 30-year period. The effects from that stay with us to this day. And what happened was is that once again we had a guy by the name of Paule, um, Arnold Paule, who died. He supposedly rose from the grave and began doing what vampires do, creating calamities and everything else. Well, after this, there were a number of other people began to be blamed as also being vampires because they had recently died, and people thought they were a little weird in life. So of course they got to rise from the grave and cause mischief. So what they did is everybody began to go out and dig up freshly buried corpses. Now, when you start digging up people who haven't been buried, buried very long, a strange thing called um, liquefaction of the internal organs occurs. Ooh, lovely word, liquefaction. I love it. <laughs> just get cool band name. Just want to get yeah. your teeth in there. Yeah. Get a spoon. Get a spoon. Okay. So... What would happen is that the internal, just like it seems, the internal organs, as they decompose, liquefy. Well, liquefy, when it turns into a liquid, it's going to exit the body through its natural orifices. It sounds like after I've drank too much. Oh, that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a vampire? <laughs> no, I just can't hold my liquor. <laughs> As long as it is an anal leakage, we're good. <laughs> but with these corpses, though, that was part of it, too. But that you couldn't see. What you could see was the largest orifice on the human body. And no, that's not your head. Some people might think that, right? What would that be? Your mouth. 
So when they would dig these corpses up, they would see what appeared to be blood dripping from these corpses' mouths. That's all it took. People started assuming, oh my gosh, there's blood. The, the corpse must have, when it, when it rose, it was causing all this calamity around. It must have decided, oh, I need a snack. And so it started drinking blood from the living. That is the sole reason why we have blood-drinking vampires to this wow. day. That's where it all got started. It's so simple. Okay? So that was the purpose for that. As far as why they were rising from the grave, every culture on this earth has ghost stories. Every single one. Just so happens, this was the Slavic version of it. Okay? So in any event, when all these corpses began to be dug up, Word got back to Empress Maria Theresa of Austria, because at that time, Austria ruled the Balkan lands. So she sent out three of her own court physicians, Gerhard Sweeten, there was also uh, Van Sweeten, excuse me, uh, there was a Dr. Gosser and a Dr. Vobst. The three of them traveled to these areas where at that moment, when the panics were occurring, when the vampire was considered to be right there and active, they were there medically investigating all of these claimed vampires. And they came back and reported, these people are medically ignorant. They have no clue what's going on here. It is completely debunked. And at that moment, it was in 1755 that this occurred, Maria Teresa issued her proclamation prohibiting any more desecrations of graves and saying the whole thing was ridiculous and thus ended the Serbian vampire panics in just a short 30-year period. But by that time, Western ears got wind of what was happening and Western writers, fiction writers, began reporting on it. And we had this huge vampire fiction explosion that occurred with all these great vampire classics that we enjoy to this day, culminating, of course, in Bram Stoker's Dracula. And then Hollywood got involved, and that was it. Okay, it's Hollywood. Wildfire. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know how much I feel like I'm culturally appropriating vampires now? Like, I feel <laughs> oh, like yeah. now, like, all everything I know. Like, I feel like the teeth I've put in, the bleh, noises that I've made. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to get, uh, uh, like get canceled now because of how much I've culturally appropriated <laughs> Dude, vampires. He's barely even starting, man. Oh, just barely. We're just getting, what I'm doing now is I'm deconstructing the vampire. Wait till we start replacing that with history. Because if you think I'm destroying something that is fun and fantastical and, and all of that, you're right, I am. But I'm going to replace it with something far more fun, far more fantastical, but it's real. So this is where we're going to go with all of this. Okay, so getting back on track. After all these fictions came out, the vampire myth began to spread. And ironically, it spread back into the same Slavic countries that had never heard of their vampire as a blood drinker or a revenant. One of the greatest Russian ethnologists, or, or, sorry, ethnographers and historians was a Dr. Zelenin. And Dr. Zelenin put forth this big, huge thing that modern-day vampirologists absolutely hate him for. He stated that the myth or the idea of the bloodthirsty vampire is completely unknown to us here in the East. All of it penetrated into Eastern Europe and into the Russias from Western Europe. 
And ever since then, even doctorate-level vampirologists on the Western side have tried to disparage him for that. And, uh, yeah, they fail miserably because what he's saying is absolutely correct. With the exception of the South Balkan lands and then later going along the on the countries that border Western Europe specifically, we find these myths of blood-drinking vampires. If you go further east, they are not there. Yet the vampire, though, is very strongly there. But his traits, the historical traits, are far different. Traits you've never heard of before. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay, so I'm going to take a... Is there any questions that you guys might have before we continue on? I was going to say, if anyone would like some questions, I have a microphone ready and willing if anyone wants to start with Or that. you could probably just yell. Or you can yell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to get up, so if you want to yell... <laughs> Yeah, my presentations, I love taking questions from people. So if if there are no questions, we'll continue on. I'm pretty sure we're going to end up, though, with questions before oh, too much longer. I got one. So when Hollywood got involved and they've made thousands of vampire movies, like, is there one or two or whatever movies that you're like, that's the closest? Yes. Okay. But before I did reveal that, though, I got to get a little bit further into it. because It's gonna, not Twilight, is it? It is Twilight. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is Twilight. I know. I hate it. But it is Twilight. Uh, there are a few oh, others, though. Dude, he's leaving. <laughs> he's upset. Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> there are aspects of Twilight, yes. Ooh. I love an intelligent mind because they they ask doctor they ask graduate level questions that I can't answer right now. But we're gonna get there. I'm gonna okay? give him a hint. It's coming. <laughs> he knows what that means. I thought the answer was just like, look at him. He's it's fucking a, beautiful. Like it's a great, looked. great double entendre there. Okay. Oh. So anyway, we're going to go ahead. Yeah, I told you, this is going to blow your minds when you hear about all of it. Okay. Yes. In the back. Diabetes. Well, I've heard about uh, porphyria, uh, sensitivity to sunlight. Okay, but I, I don't think I've ever heard about diabetes. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, see, all of that, though, would only bear fruit, if you will, if the vampire actually drank blood. If there is no drinking of blood, then there is no blood hunger. Oh, they eat while that. Well, we all eat while that. Well, <laughs> unless you're vegan or vegetarian. True. True. You know, but yeah, no, but to answer your question, no, there's no, no correlation there whatsoever. Can I ask a question not about mm -hmm. vampires, but about you personally? Have you had in these seminars? No, I'm just saying, like, because like, I'm curious. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm serious. Well, I'm, well, I'm you can get his number after, man. I'm just. <laughs> his I'm just wife is curious. here. <laughs> Calm down. You, Hello. You seem very, very knowledgeable, and I'm sure your seminars are amazing. I'm genuinely curious, just like any kind of open forum. Mm -hmm. Have you had, like, people jump up and just say, this is some devil shit. Like, stop talking about vampires. Yes. Like, do you get that a lot? If you go to my Facebook page, yes, you'll find those comments <laughs> in there. If they're too extreme, I just delete them. Uh, oh, and I want to let you guys know that I do have a YouTube channel, Father Vampire Appropriately. And I'm also on Facebook, Father Vampire, as well. Uh, I do have four current episodes. These are deep dive episodes. So I only am able to put one out about once every few months. Uh, so I'm closing in on the fifth one. Where it'll be a series of 12 complete episodes that basically goes through the entire presentation in depth. Uh, I'm trying to give it to you very, very briefly here in just a couple hours. Okay. So anyway, so, but you'll see some of the comments that may even be on there still. Uh, but yes, I do. 
uh, especially from the religious types. Uh, and ironically, also from the vampire types, because I'm very, uh, I'm not appreciated by the vampire community. And for understandable reasons. I totally see that. Yeah. I totally just feel like there's some nerd out there that's just like, I know way more than this fucking guy right now. Yeah. Like, I'm going to yeah. blow his mind. Mm-hmm. Like, So I get it from all sides. <laughs> I get it from the vampire community. I get it from vampire scholars. I could name one in particular that hates my guts. Uh, because, name them. Uh, I can't, can't do that. <laughs> Come on. Can't do that. Hey, Myers, um, <laughs> we got an address for you. Yeah, that's right. Does it rhyme with Schmeffany Schmeyers? <laughs> so anyway, uh, so yeah, I get it from all sides uh, because, you know, the, the vampire fans don't like me. The academic audiences or the academic professors, they don't like me uh, because this is a situation. If you try to investigate the vampire prior to the seven, good luck trying to find any evidence for the vampire prior to the 17th century. Because vampirologists, and I'm talking about doctorate-level Slavic scholars, do not want to talk about this. Because if they do, they have no explanation for the evidences they find there. I found the key to it all. It unlocks every door. He knows oh. it. He's seen it. It goes, uh, anyway. So, but enough of that. Let's that's go. Let's I, get back that's into That's how I it. feel, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much. I could talk to you guys for 10 hours and only scrape the surface. It, it goes that deep. Uh, it, it permeates everything in life, everything in life. Our history all originates from the theory that I'm about to present to you that begins with the vampire only as the most recent iteration, only as the recent incarnation. This goes all the way back to Egypt and to Sumer and to Gobekli Tepe and further back still to Bruchiel's cave in the south of France, 175,000 years ago. It's all linked and nobody sees it. So let's get back into it. In Eastern Europe and also into Russia, what nobody has realized except for Dr. Jan Perkowski, he's one. Uh, Dr. Tadomir Vukonovich is another. Those are my two favorite. Uh, they don't have explanations, but they report the facts, and I can't but love that. Prior to any of this, we know that the vampire has been in Slavic history since the 4th century CE. That's right. When the Roman Empire was still ruling Slavic lands, the vampire was already there. Before the Slavs emigrated into what we call Slavic lands, the vampire was already there. And yet again, no blood drinking, no claims to being revenants. They were mortal people. They were an ethnic subgroup. Now you're probably going, now how in the hell did you come to that conclusion? Well, I'm wearing part of the explanation to that right now. You notice I'm wearing a clerical collar. My name that I present is Father Vampire. That is not some kind of an affectation. It's not some kind of a, you know, a gimmicky name that I came up with. It is literally the name of the first vampire in recorded history. If you go to the State Historical Museum in Moscow today, you can go take a look at the 1499 Genevieve Bible, inside which you will find the very document written by an 11th century Eastern Orthodox Christian priest. He was a scholar. He lived in Novgorod, Russia. He was under the bishop, and I can't forgive me, but you'll have to watch my videos. I can't remember the exact name, but he worked under a bishop as a translator. And what he did is he translated the Old Testament so that they could use that to proselytize and to convert pagans to Christianity. 
And right there in that document, in his own hand, you can read to this day, I father vampire. The words are literally Pope Opius Lihui. The word Pope means the same in the Christian or in the Catholic faith as it does in the Latin. It means Father, Pope. The Pope in Rome that we say Pope, it literally comes from the original term meaning Father also. Opius is the original word that means in our language, vampire. It's the first iteration of that word. From opius in the 11th century, it became bapius. Well, first it became upius, opius, and then upius, and then bapius, and then bampius, and then vampire. It's the exact same. And that's not, you don't have to take my word for it. If you watch my videos, I give you the exact, it was Dr. Bruce McClellan that stated that. There are others as well that have stated that. It's just, it, it's a fact. You can look it up online anytime you like. U-P-I-R is the more modern version of O-U-P-I-R, which is how he spelled his name. And here's the really fascinating point. It was his literal, given at birth, name. Originally, the name Vampire was a boy's name commonly given to people in Russia and other parts of Eastern Europe. A name. Now think about this. Would any parents be naming their children something that meant a demonic, evil creature? Maybe in 2023 now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely now. Yeah. 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 As that, we have vampire Jackson, you get over here right now. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> And in, you'll see that in the third episode, I list at least four whose names were literally Upias that lived in the 14th and 15th centuries. This is, again, about 200 years before they suddenly became demonized. Oh, but I didn't stop there because I was also able to find literally entire towns and villages named for their vampire inhabitants. Names like Upirevo. Upirvici, Upirkovo. Those are three names I can remember off the top of my head of the eight I found. These villages existed, again, prior to that 17th century barrier, prior to which scholars don't know next to nothing about. They report these facts, thankfully they do, but they don't know why. But immediately beginning at right about the 17th and 18th century, that's when the demonization occurred. And we're going to find out exactly why it occurred at that time. Yes, I have that answer as well. But prior to that, this is what I'm talking about briefly right now. Prior to that, we had boys being named vampire. We have literally vampire towns dotting all over Russia and Eastern Europe. Nowhere do we find these towns being called evil or that their inhabitants were bad. or what. No, these were honorable people. In fact, some of the names given or some of these names I mentioned that existed back then state right there, famous villager, honorable citizen. So these were good people and were considered that by their neighbors, but they still had their own towns. Now, why would they have their own towns? One of the towns I remember is Upirvici. You know what Upirvici literally means? It literally... Vampire town? Close. Vampire... <laughs> Vampire City. Vampiropolis? Van ah, oh. No. Vamp <laughs> gotcha. Vampire Children. Uh -huh. 
I wasn't that close. You were just being nice. I was being very nice, yeah. yeah. But the other ones, though, do mean those things. So, yes, Vampiropolis and, you know. God, everything sounds so much cooler back then. <laughs> Tell me about it. Man. So, so literally, Upir, Bichi, anytime in Russian you have a name ending in Bich, in other words, not, not the English form, V-I-C-H, it literally means son of. So, and the I is the plural. So, literally, it's vampire, son, or children, because it's the plural. So, it's a town called Vampire Children. Okay? Literally stating these are vampire children. So, obviously, it's apparent that just like if you were to go to San Francisco, you're able to, or, or any other major city, you have these ethnic barrios, these ethnic neighborhoods, whether it be for China or Little Saigon or, you know, German or whatever, they are ethnic towns where you find a majority of people of that ethnicity that live. These were basically what they were advertising them as at those times. So that tells us that they were literally an ethnic group, somebody separate, a different bloodline from the Slavs, but still very honorable and considered very good people, but they were different in some way. Okay, now that we've got that, are, are there any questions before we continue? Where's Cholo Myers? I think I think he had it. Oh, he's, he's creeping. God. <laughs> Maybe he's hey, still mad about. I got scared. I thought he was right behind me a second. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes, there's a question. I see hands. Are they Jewish? Interesting. Uh, no, they aren't. But but uh, the. Uh, the ethno-religious nature, there may be something to that. Go ahead. No, it doesn't, and that's only because in Slavic lore, there is no prohibition with vampires only being able to come out at night. That also is a Hollywood trait. Oh, I didn't, I forgot yeah. that one. Hollywood they, trait. Were they treated, were they treated like differently, just as citizens? Not that we've been able to find, but records are very you know, scarce back then. Uh, but after the demonization, oh my gosh, did they get treated differently? I like to think of like a 17th century, like Alex Jones, like folks, the vampires are coming into town. We got to come suck our yeah, blood. Yeah, folks, this is what they want. Like, that's yeah. what I imagine. But they were treated like, I thought they would be like, you know, like nomads that were just kind of shoot away yeah. from place well, to place. Back, back then they were apparently fine because we don't find any evidence of warfare in these towns. It wasn't like people, you know, like there wasn't lynchings going on or that kind of thing that would indicate some kind of, of a, of a problem that they had with this minority, because obviously they were a minority, uh, but there was no problem with anybody, at least not then. Okay. It, that all changes with Christianity. I'll give you that much of a clue. What made them different? Ooh. Let's get into it. That is a, did I? She's a plant. Uh, she's a plant. Yeah. Uh. That was the perfect question to ask. <laughs> okay. We've just, I've just told you what they weren't. I've told you a bit of what they are. So what made them so different? What made them so different? Okay. Believe it or not, up to the 20th century, we find one specific trait evidenced throughout all Slavic lands, and nobody talks about it. It's so well evidenced that you can actually find movies and comic books featuring the name of that singular trait, and still nobody talks about it. How many here have heard the term Dampir? D-H-A-M-P-I-R, Dampir. You have. What does that mean? 
<laughs> Can I guess? That's fine. She just wanted to be a part. It's cool. Hey, <laughs> she's a plant. It's another plant. Anybody know? Does it mean Daywalker? No, it doesn't. I'm sorry. Oh. You said comic books. So I was like, Blade. Yeah. Nightcrawler. Oh. Nightcrawler. No. So you're think you're thinking about the old, already debunked traits. We're oh. thinking about something different. Dompied is literally one of the many names throughout all Slavic lands for a vampire child. Dompied is the male. Dompiresa is the female. Vampire children. Man. Everywhere we look, up to today, there are huge stories and accounts of. Half vampire, half human children. That is the only trait that we see actually historically evidenced for actual interaction between a vampire and a woman, resulting in a child. Hence, Bampirichi. I'm sure after the 17th century, they're sure they no, were. They grew up Absolutely. to be Blade. Yeah. Oh, and that's, see, I was and that's, told. No, that's Blade. true. A or, lot of the van- a lot of the Dompiers were considered vampire hunters. Huh. We're getting to that. And, and you're right. That's a great question. We're getting to it. I'm getting to it. Okay. One, <laughs> one of the key traits, in fact, the only trait that we find actually evidence to indicate what they truly are is the fact that they have sex. Oh, here we go. Sex that results. Ah. Sex that results in children. Okay. Humans have sex. (laughs) So what is different? That is a great point. Humans have sex. Obviously, it wasn't the fact that they had sex that made them different from everybody else. So what made them so different from everybody else? Okay. Well, we're about to find out. If... Human, human sex is like minor league baseball, but vampire sex, vampire sex is like Derek Jeter baseball. Gee, that could be true. Oh, please. I wonder. Please. I wonder. It's the best you could come up with is Jeter. I'm sorry. He's the only baseball player I know right now. <laughs> what, what do you, what do you think, Cholomar? Thank you. What do you think? Like little Gonzo, Luis Gonzalez, little Randy Johnson. Hey, we know that one. Nice. <laughs> What do you think vampires are? <laughs> what else could he do? <laughs> I agree. Well, that's good. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh. You need to learn ASL. Age sex Age location? Sex location? <laughs> Soccer? <laughs> Thank you. Oh. oh, I'm so okay. stupid. I grew up on AOL. What are you doing for AOL. me? AOL. ASL. The education system has failed, and this is why men like us start podcasts. <laughs> Brought to you by Baseball. Well, I'm very glad you guys do because it's great being able to be here. Let me tell you. Well, thank you. So, thank you very much for inviting me. Of I course. didn't mention that when I first came out, but oh. yeah, it's great being here. Uh, I love being able to talk about this with people because it's never talked about, and it's time somebody did. So, anyway, so let's get back into it. We know for a fact. And again, if I were able to give you my three-hour presentation, again, go to my YouTube channel because it's all there right now. Everything I'm telling you up to a little bit past this point is all in those videos. And I'm able to show, I show you maps. I show you exactly from Google Maps what each one of those towns look like because they still exist to this day. They're still towns. 
Oh, she wants to know about that She's sex. She's really into this. I, I'm also kind of dying to know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, please bear with me here a minute. Yes, Cholo's up. I mean, bring it on. Bring it on. He's like, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, can't, I will answer. But those, like, I, we're getting the we're sexual getting tension in this room yes. is thick. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so with regard to the vampire, what was the kind of sex that he had? Okay. Yeah. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give you the symptoms. Oh. The symptoms, because here's the situation, okay? Men observed vampires going in to visit women. These women would arrange love meetings between the vampire and themselves. This didn't happen in just one area. There's reports of this going on from as far down as the South Balkan lands up to Poland all the way to Russia and every country in between. Women would organize secret love meetings to go and meet with their vampire. Men of the night. Okay, men of the night. Huh? Bingo. Human women with vampire men. In other words, and this occurred up to the 20th century. We have reports of this up to the 20th century. 1912 and 1913, these love meetings were still occurring. Now you have to understand, that is like 200 years after vampires were thought to be blood-drinking revenants. But apparently it didn't scare women away at all. So women would be like... Be here midnight on Friday night. Maybe. I really don't know. And you know something? Neither do the men because it's the men Mm. reporting all of this. Here's another key piece to all of this. Everything that's reported about the vampires, we get nothing reported from the women. All these women having vampire children, all these centuries, perhaps even millennia, we don't know. And yet not a single woman has ever come forward and said, this is what a vampire is like. And this is what he did for me, or this is the reason why I prefer them, or whatever it may be. We don't know. There's not a single word. All we have are the demonizations given to us about vampires from men. Men. Jealous men. Sexless men. Yeah. Maybe. Don't know. Okay, don't know. Yes, but here's the situation, though, with regard to that. These secret meetings would take place, and they don't mention how these secret meetings are arranged, because, again, the women aren't talking. They don't kiss and tell. They just talk about the fact that they, that they do know enough, these men know enough, that they are, are prearranged gatherings, okay? So what they did, were, what they were able to do, though, is they started to time them. What? Time them. In other words, how long was the vampire in that secret meeting with the women? And when they did that, something astounding, Dr. Tatomir Bukanovich who Dr. Jan Prakowski says has the best, most well-documented vampire accounts ever, states that the woman will go to meet the vampire. 22 hours at least later, she emerges looking, and I'm giving exactly the words that he used to describe them, looking enchanted and being exhausted and emaciated. See, this is where the blood drinking came in. Oh, my gosh, these women are, arri- are, are leaving, and they look exhausted and emaciated, which resembles tuberculosis. This is why a vampire is called a plague carrier. It's got nothing to do with tuberculosis. It's got nothing to do with blood drinking. It's the fact that she is completely spent. 
And this can be for at least 22 hours, but the way that it's worded, it could be days and nights on end. We don't know. Okay, the way it's worded, I want to get into how it's worded. Again, my YouTube channel reveals all of this. I'm, I'm, I'm really just stepping along best I can here for you guys in a short amount of time. So this gives us more clues. Obviously, the sex is very long-lasting, and it results in the woman looking enchanted and also being exhausted and emaciated. Hey, Brian. So, dude? Your dad's still here. Yeah, yeah, he's still here. <laughs> 22 hours. Yeah. Oh, how long? That's uh, two hours short of a day. Dang. You got it. I think this just confirmed that I'm 100% not a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand, yeah. though, why they would thus be considered different and that men might have cause to feel jealous, perhaps even hostile towards them? Yeah, I mean, imagine, like, you're a dude in the 1700s and you want to go, like, ask this lady on a date and you spend all day, like, building up your courage. Wooing her. Wooing, like, you pick up some flowers and yeah. you're on your way over and then all of a sudden you look over, like, next to her house, there's, like, a... Dude in a cape, and you're just like, dang it. <laughs> I do that every day, dude. I bet that guy, I bet that guy fucks, man. Yeah, both, man. How am I supposed to compete with that? <laughs> you can't. I, you can't. It's it's to do with that. You anyway, can't. Okay, so let's continue on here because we do. I, I need to get, I need to keep moving. Thank you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> Lock okay. the doors. Here's, no one's leaving. That's right. Nobody's getting out of this alive. Okay. Oh, he's going. <laughs> he's just going Thanks, Cholo. There. You got our back. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Where was I? Oh, I hate it when this happens. Sex. Thank you very much. Everybody, everybody hates chanting. them because they, they see how these guys are going every night having sleepovers with the girls. Ah, yeah. Here's what I wanted to bring up next. How do we know that Slavic, because again, we're not hearing a word from the women. So how do we know? I mean, where's the absolute smoking gun evidence that indeed Slavic women adored vampires. Here it is. Slavic women adored vampires so much that up until the accounts of 1912 and 1913, men were pretending to be vampires just to get with the women that they wanted. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, same. That's, yeah. A, that's yeah. I'm actually doing that right now. Yeah. <laughs> No, but seriously, this is what was going on. There are accounts, many Serbian accounts, and I want to bring up this point. It's very, the vampire panics were located where? Anybody remember? Russia. They were called the Serbian oh. vampire panics. Okay. In Serbia, 200 years later. In other words, Serbian vampire panics, that's where all of the demonization got started. That's where they first were claimed to drink blood. That's where they started digging up the corpses and mutilating them. Yet 200 years later, Serbian men were going around pretending to be vampires. And I mean literally dressing like corpses because that would then, they thought, get them into women's bedrooms. Wow. Okay. So at the very height of all the vampire horrors that were going on, women saw right through it they knew what a vampire was the men hadn't a darn clue so women knew what was going on the men didn't okay now, we don't know exactly 100 percent exactly easy always she says yes yeah exactly in other words all of this bluster all of these false claims it might have worked here in the west we were swayed by it and still are to this day but the people who actually 
dealt with vampires on a very personal basis knew better, and it didn't dissuade them in the slightest. And again, I'm going to point out, these accounts have gone up to the 20th century. We're not talking about way back when, when nobody knew nothing. Okay, 20th century, these accounts are still going on. So this is how we know. Now, with regard to the symptoms, regard to the symptoms, this is where it really gets fascinating. You asked a little earlier why it is that I got involved in vampire research. All of this did not get started with me being interested in vampires. This has been a 20-year journey culminating in the discovery of the truth about vampires. And for purposes of pop cultural interest, podcasts like these, I use the vampire to try to get something far more important out there. If you haven't guessed it already, you know it right now. Yes, vampires are very real, but they were the end of my journey, not the beginning. It all got started way back in 1995, well over 20 years ago, when I was a co-researcher with a doctorate-level team that performed the only sex research project of its kind, and we documented the literally physiologically impossible. At that time, we did not know, but we had somebody from the vampire bloodline come forward to be investigated and documented in a laboratory demonstrating what would be then discovered to be the vampire's true dark gift that causes the awakening in women that we find in the movies, but the real one. Okay. Before I get to that, I'm going to backtrack. Just, I'm sorry. Damn it. Like, just backtrack teasing. just a bit. Okay. I know. No, Dude, I'll, I I'll proceed. I'll proceed. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's it, trying to figure out what to tell first. It's, it's called, called edging. <laughs> <laughs> Something men have to do, but women don't. Okay. Here's the situation. What we documented in the laboratory at Rutgers University that was then professionally published in a well-respected scientific journal documented something impossible for men to do. It's called natural male multi-orgasmic response. In other words, this was a man who had come forward who was literally born without having a downtime. In other words, after he had a full natural orgasm, complete ejaculation, no techniques, no holding back, just the way he was, just the way a woman as well experiences orgasm, he's ready to go again and again and again and again and again. It's called into, the refractory period. Oh, very good. I love it. Okay. Into, into the double digits or even greater. Okay. Man. So we're talking, that's what we're talking about here. We documented that in the laboratory. And then it was professionally published in the Journal of Sex Education and Therapy. As soon as that publication hit the media and we started to get worldwide attention to this, it was even presented to standing room only at the 13th World Congress of Sexology in Valencia, Spain. Standing room only. Everybody was abuzz about it. We were being contacted left and right to start conducting further. It's a little bit like breaking the sound barrier for the first time. You better darn well believe aeronautical companies are going to be coming going, hey, well, how do we go further with this? As soon as that began to happen, a stone wall dropped, and all research was completely halted. Have any of you heard of this study? No, none of you have. There's a reason for that. 
because they don't want this ability getting out. I thought for a second you were going to be like, I'm getting there. No. I'm getting, I'm getting there. there. <laughs> no, you're not coming yet. I thought we were about to get into, I thought yeah. we were about to, and this is kind of a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that Big Pharma might have gotten involved think about and that. Viagra was like, hey, we're going to take some of these vampire men and use their DNA to produce our Viagra pills. Hybrid. But now we have Viagra episode. and Blue Chew and we all these other the pills. We have the technology. Yes. But none of these pills can defeat the refractory period. They I will, know, They I will allow you to obtain an erection faster because it lowers blood pressure and all that. But after a man has a full orgasm and ejaculation, with rare exception, if a man is extremely aroused, yes, he can go on to perhaps one more, perhaps one more after that. But at some point, that refractory period is going to catch up with him. And the desire leaves, the erection leaves, the ability leaves. He's done. He's full. Okay? Imagine, for those in the audience who aren't like this, imagine what it would be like to experience a meal where you have all the wonderful dishes that you like, but you're limited to taking only one bite Hmm. before you're completely satiated. Imagine if you knew you only had one bite, how you would try to dress up and, and hyper-focus on dressing that one bite up to be the most incredible bite. Now you've just understood male fetish syndrome where they have to, because they know it's only going to happen once. Women don't have that problem. And now we're going to get on. Yeah. Now we're going to get on. <laughs> I love it. Great. Now we're going to get on to the symptoms. The co-researcher of that study was a doctor, and if you haven't heard of her, you can look her up because she's the epitome of the sex researcher. Her name is Dr. Beverly Whipple. She was the one behind the discovery, or at least the research into the G-spot. She was my co-researcher on this project. And as she explained to me with respect to multiple orgasm, she said that with every orgasm, there's a rush of endorphins, okay, that occur that overload the brain for a little bit. It's what orgasm causes. It's that rush of endorphins, that wonderful experience incidental to orgasm. And then as the endorphins dissipate in the brain, you get that nice afterglow feeling. That ice is going to kill us. <laughs> yeah. That ice is turned on right now, I think. Okay, <laughs> so this is what happens, and then it dissipates and it goes away. That is a single, a mono-orgasmic experience. In true multiple orgasm, where orgasms go on and on and on, that single rush of endorphins is immediately followed by the next rush of endorphins with the next orgasm. And it doesn't have time to dissipate before here comes the next rush and the next and the next and the next until the brain, incidental of the pleasure of each orgasm, literally overloads the brain in the same way as opioid abuse does. In other words, it's in a very positive way, unlike opioid abuse, it's completely natural, but you experience what's called, and you can look it up and you'll find almost no research on it, hyperorgasmic euphoria. It's also called multi-orgasmic euphoria, but the better term is hyperorgasmic euphoria. Multiple orgasms could be two or three. Hyper is when you go to 10 or 12 or 20. 
Okay. And you suddenly you're now in another plane. Okay. It's literally like flying goals. And how do I know this? If any of you have or have read the height report by share height in there, there are many responses from multi-orgasmic women that responded describing what they feel in hyperorgasmic euphoria. And again, in my presentations online, if you want to go to the YouTube, I quote all, everything that they say, and it's like literally flying, and that it is so difficult for them to come down afterwards. It's something men simply cannot experience. Men can learn techniques to avoid ejaculation so as to be able to continue, but it's not anywhere near the same thing as hyperorgasmic. They still are not able to gain the euphoria because they're only experiencing full orgasm at the end. So if I'll tell you right now, anybody trying to tell you these, these techniques make pleasure better, i highly skeptical, let me just put it that way, of that, because they aren't able to experience multi-orgasmic or hyperorgasmic euphoria. Now, let's get back to those symptoms in women. Looking enchanted, exhaustion and emaciation. In the book, Opium, which I report or on and show the quotes from in my, uh, in my YouTube series, it literally is word for word identical. The symptoms of somebody suffering from opioid addiction and going through withdrawal as what is described in these vampire-loved women after days and nights of nonstop sex. Word for word. Exhaustion and emaciation, no eating or drinking, losing weight, appearing like a corpse, and looking enchanted. And wouldn't you be pale, too, probably, from, like, not blood sugar and not eating and dehydrated, probably? I'm sure. I'm sure. Especially because of that. Because they mentioned, specifically with regard to these women, that they have neither eaten nor drank in all that time. Well, of course, they're not there. They're not in, they're in their bodies, obviously, but it's in a different plane. Small wonder, then, that women have adored vampires. You asked me earlier what movies represent the real vampire. All of them in the sense that almost all of them have that deep, irresistible allure of the woman to the vampire. Where do we find the vampire approaching the woman? Is it in a back alley somewhere like Jack the Ripper? No, it's always in her boudoir. He appears at her boudoir. She in a nightgown. She lays back on the bed, opens her nightgown to him as he then overshadows her. Angel, what what is being described here? Angel used to always come in through Buffy's bedroom window. Okay. The only thing I know from Twilight was there's a scene where they bang for a long time. From what I remember from some girl who's trying to bang Mm -hmm. for a long time in high school. Mm -hmm. Is that like that? That makes so much sense now. Yeah, I'm glad. Oh my God. <laughs> now do you but understand the vampires you've never connected? But yeah. did you get lucky? I mean, did you? No, look at ah, me. No. Sorry, champ. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Okay. Wow. So now that we have an idea, imagine, if you will, a bloodline where the males in that bloodline don't have what the rest of us males have in a male refractory period. Just that one difference alone satisfies everything that we see in the Slavic vampire, including what then happened when they were demonized. Because you see, we have, again, these vampires are mortal. They're not revenants. All that was the crap that was loaded on after the fact. 
They were mortal men living with their families and raising their children in their own villages. And then the 17th century happened. And then the 18th century in particular happened, and everything changed. And there are accounts of mortal shopkeepers and business people literally being taken out and murdered for being real vampires. Nobody ever talks about this because that was before vampires had been completely demonized and before those who still survived got the hell out of there. Where they may have gone to, we don't know. Maybe they've returned, maybe they haven't. Maybe they just went into hiding. Okay, let's go on really quickly to what caused the demonization. Why did this not happen until right at the 17th century and then most specifically in the 18th century? To preface that, I'm going to point out the fact that in almost all the countries bordering Western Europe, vampires were considered synonymous and named synonymously with witches. Jure Grando was not called a vampire. He was called a strigoi, a witch, or strigun. Same root word. The word comes from Venice, which is only about 100 miles away from Kringa, where Jure Grando was. Striga, in the Venetian dialect of Italian, means witch. Today, in Romania, where Transylvania is, the vampire is not called a vampire. It's called a strigoi. It literally means witch. If you go up into Poland, also striga is the word for the vampire up there. It literally means witch. If you go further east, you don't see any of these terms. It's upir. Okay, that's the primary term that you see everywhere else, but specific to the countries bordering Western Europe. So what was going on in Western Europe at precisely that time involving witches? The witch hunts? The witch hunts, yeah. The witch trials, the burning times. Exactly. Women were being burned at the stake, and in Western Europe, between 75 and 80% of all those burned at the stake were female. But guess what? When you go into Slavic lands on the other side of that Western European border, 90% of those burned were women. So to be able to understand this better, oh, I don't think I brought it in. But I'm, huh? Did you bring it in? Did you bring it in? You didn't. Okay, never mind then. I brought in a copy. I don't have it here, though. I'm sorry. But I brought in a copy of a 1599 edition of the book used to specifically demonize females as witches. It's a book called the Maleus Maleficarum. It was written in 1486 by two Dominican priests. The Maleus Maleficarum literally means the witch hammer. Have you heard about this book? Okay, but the fact that it says maleficarum with an A and not maleficorum with an O specifically identifies the type of witch being targeted, female witches. It is the most misogynist document you will ever read in your life. Women are stupid. Women are foolish. Women don't know how to do anything. It is horrific in its constant condemnation of the female sex. Not a word is mentioned about anything they're identifying a witch. Nothing. It's all against women. And then finally, 
in question six, the end of the first section, it's divided into three sections. Question six specifically states, we conclude all witchcraft comes from carnal lust, which is in women insatiable. I think I know who wrote this book. It was that dude who kept, like, trying to get these chicks, and they were just like, nah, I'm going to go with this vampire dude. And he just had it. He just wrote a book to condemn all women. women. All women are evil and witches. And, And the specific reason, most importantly, why they are condemned and burned at the stake, he said, all witchcraft is because they're multi-orgasmic. Now do you understand why the vampires... Who hears a witch? (laughs) Yeah. You just figured it out. This is the secret nobody sees, even though it's right there in black and white, and I can show this to you in everything right there. Men are condemning women because they do something and are able to do something they can't, and they don't like it. So therefore, they have to demonize it. Look at your Bibles. If we go all the way back to the account of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when God first supposedly speaks to man, it's in condemnation of woman for being unable to resist the forbidden fruit. This goes all the way to the top. It goes all the way to the top. (laughs) Well, at least as men think the top is, you know? Wow. The way religion views it. This is how they did it. They did it in a way such that from the very beginning, what does Genesis mean? Beginning. Beginning. From the very beginning, woman is made subordinate to man because her superior sensual, sexual, and emotional capacities must be determined to be inferior in the eyes of God. I have a question. I know you'll cover this. Just one second. Go for Oh, did, did someone? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right, that's true. Now, if we go further, we can find out that, that that was not historically accurate, but the story certainly tells the same tale, and I fully agree with you on that, absolutely. This is the way, This, if you want to talk about men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and all of this, this is the biggest reason why I feel that our research has been stonewalled is because if this refractory period were taken away, it would allow men to finally be able to be more equal with women, allowing bonding to occur between both sexes instead of the chasm of disparity that has existed all along. And the powers that be don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. It would be lovely. I, 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 that is my hope, but so far nothing. But again, I'm just. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I, was, I was told by, I, I better not name, but I was told by somebody extremely high up in the sexological community because I, I figured out that it was him who was, at least in America, was responsible. And I wrote him about all this, asking why. And he said, and I can't quote it verbatim, but 
on my on one of my websites that shows it is he says that the refractory period is there for a reason and we can't risk what might happen if we do away with it. Exactly. It's the same thing. She just said, Yo, what, what does he think is going to happen? You know? Maybe. I don't know. He won't have that. But, but the, for a scientist, specifically a scientist to have that attitude is the most unscientific. Yeah. Close-minded. And, yeah. Exactly. I mean, remember back in the day when they used to say if man were intended to fly... He would have wings. God would have given him wings. Exactly. It's basically, if man was intended to be multi-orgasmic like women are and to share that with them, then God would have made them that way. It's, yes, please. No, not at all. But it's a great question, though, because I get that a lot, and it's extremely important to understand the difference. Tantric sex is where the techniques, is one version of the tech. See, this is a situation the situation of man has not changed, okay? From the beginning, the dawn of time up until today, men are physiologically incapable, and this is by sex research, of being able to avoid the male refractory period. So 2,000 years ago, they're teaching the same techniques. 2000 BCE, they were teaching the same techniques to men that tantric sex teaches them to this day to avoid ejaculation. Because they know when ejaculation occur, normal ejaculation occurs, in other words, a full natural orgasm, for some reason, nobody has bothered to even begin to investigate. It triggers the male refractory period. We know so much about sexology, but I, I, I challenge any of you to go out and try to find even a single study on the male refractory period. It does not exist, and nobody wants to talk about it. Uh-huh. Which is really strange that the church would be doing that because they're so positive about sexuality. Huh. Hmm. I'm sorry. Please go ahead. I love this. This is this is a great question. This is a great question. Yeah. Well, I, part of I think of the question you're asking is well, you're not asking this specifically, but a. a a corollary to it is why would Father Vampire, if he was a true vampire, get involved in Christianity at all? But you see, back then, Christianity and paganism, a little bit like when Christianity began over here, they basically, when it first got started, they basically turned the pagan religion, well, they weren't pagan, but you know, the, the, the Native American religions, they just slightly Christianized it to get their foot in the door. And let them have all of their ceremonies and all of their rites and all of these other things that were ab abhorrent to Christianity for the time until they got strongly entrenched and then they could start putting the foot down. In Slavic lands, that occurred in the 15th century. That was 400 years after Father Vampire. Prior to that time, even pagan sex rites were often officiated by Christian priests as a way of being able to say, see, we're just one of you guys. So that's why Father Vampire didn't have a problem with it. But I, I know that wasn't exactly the question you were asking, so forgive me, but I wanted to preface it with that. So what was, what was it about Christianity that you were asking about Christian men?
Oh, well, well, wasn't it a secret? They didn't know that the men was the problem. They thought the women were the problem, hence why they were condemned. That was before they'd found the vampires. Okay. In the 15th century, when I referred to that, okay, this is something I, I might as well just go ahead and, and, and point this out because this is going to really blow your mind. In the 15th century, there was uh, something called the Oration of St. Gregory. Now, this was a Western European proclamation, but it was adapted to be used against the pagan Slavs to be able to further prop up Christianity and to start laying down the law against the pagans. And one of the things that they say in there, which is fascinating, is that they say that prior to the arrival of Christianity, of course, they're doing this as being a horrible, terrible thing, okay, that all these different gods were being, are being worshipped by the pagan Slavs, which is a terrible thing, and we need to stop this immediately. But guess who they happen to name as one of the pagan gods? They talk about Rod, they talk about Perun, they talk about Mokosh, and then they say, and the Upiri. I just mentioned earlier that the I at the end of the word makes it plural. And Upir, vampires. What I'm trying to say is that prior to the arrival of Christianity, vampires weren't just mortal people running around in their villages and having a good time or doing what mortal people do. They were considered mortal gods by the pagan Slavs. Now, why do you think that is when you consider that one of the greatest... One, Love this guy. One of the, he's right. That's what I'm getting at. One of the greatest aspects of pagan religion was their sex rights. Now, imagine if you had men able to be with women endlessly and allow those women to achieve nirvana in the flesh, literally and otherwise. How do you think these men might be considered by normal men that adored and worshipped sexuality? They would be seen literally as sex gods, and so they were. So that is why, at the time, pagan, especially in the 11th century, like 400 years before they really started cracking down, pagan rites were a community celebration. It was part of what everybody did, regardless whether you were Christian or not. In fact, there's even accounts with in there that that the officiator excuse me the officiators at these sex rites were christian priests having them done in the monasteries to again get in with the pagan slavs and start to you know hey we're just part of you guys but in Christ, uh, in christianity you're not supposed to have oh wait was this this is uh after marriage or are we talking well, they don't say necessarily. Huh. Okay, we do know that the, the, it was orgiastic type of rites, so it was something that the whole community engaged in. Okay, now a lot of people are going, "Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute." Okay, Christian priests, these Catholic priests, they're supposed to be celibate, aren't they? Breaking vows. Well, Roman Catholic priests are celibate. Eastern Orthodox priests to this day are not. In fact, you are encouraged if you're a priest to be married and have children. Okay. Ain't that the truth? So therefore, there was no problem with a father like Father Vampire being sexually active. Now, whether or not there was also fornication and all kinds of other goodies going on at the time, we don't know. Okay, most likely there was. Because here's the other little aspect I haven't pointed out. I mentioned three. So, Like I said, you're going to see that I can go on forever on this because this isn't just one tenuous piece of evidence out there and one little thing over there or one quote perhaps being taken out of context. They all 
are myriads threads running together, creating this huge rope. You'd have to be blind not to realize that's a rope there. Okay, it's real. I told you that his writing, he said, Pope Opius Lihui. Remember I said that? Those were the words that he wrote. I, and then the I part comes before that. Pope Opius Lihui. Well, Lihui turns out that's an adjective. It's an adjective that because it was demonized about the 12th century, we don't even have today in the Russian language. Okay, its closest approximate means evil, and you're about to find out why it's been twisted in its meaning to mean evil. Because originally, lihui meant insatiable. I, father, insatiable. Now, does it all fit together like a glove? Father Vampire was insatiable. He was a vampire. He was a vampire. Now, lihui... How did I find out if the if that ver if that adjective has been extinct in its original form since the 12th century? How was I able to find that out? I did something that for whatever reason no Slavicist has ever bothered to do. I scoured the histories of written documents in the 11th and 12th century, and guess what? I found two occurrences of that verb, and that's exactly what it means: insatiable. Okay, in the Church regulations of Yaroslav the Great, there are regulations in there that, that uh, monitor or rule over the, the procedures for divorce. And in there it says that no man, or no woman, excuse me, can divorce her husband because of, you know, a, a small illness. It has to be something that is a lihui ailment, such as blindness or long-term illness. Now that gives us a clue. Okay. Blindness. How long does blindness last? Forever. Long-lasting illness. Long-lasting. Hey, that's an adjective. That right there tells you that lihui must be related to something that goes on and on and on forever. Long-lasting illness goes on and on, maybe not forever, but for a doggone good long time. That's a lihui ailment. If your husband, your spouse has that, then you may have grounds for divorce, but you can't divorce somebody because they have the sniffles. That's basically what that is trying to say. It must be a lihui ailment. Now, you can't put evil to that. Blindness, is that evil? Somebody who's blind, does that mean that they're evil? If somebody gets sick for a long time, does that make them evil? No, not even the pagans believe that. So they're talking about something else. Okay? And when we're talking about sexual activity being long-lasting, that goes on forever. Insatiable. It's the only term that makes, I, I dare you to find another adjective that fits those parameters of where it was used in the context there that's different. It means intractable, never ending. Now you put that to sexuality, what does that mean? Okay, now you might be asking, well, then how do we know that opiate means anything? Opiate does mean something. This is the fascinating part. The word pir to this day in Russian means feast. E-I-R, feast. Now you're going, oh, blood drinking. Well, we already debunked that. That didn't even exist until 600 years later. Okay? So we're not feasting on blood. And besides, he was a Catholic priest. Catholic priests can't drink blood, much less feast on it. But there's something else they can feast on. Okay? Turns out that the beginning of the term, we have the, the PIR means feast, but we had the O in front of it. 
Okay, according to Dr. Bruce McClellan, O, U, and Ba, which were the original ways that opiate, upiate, and bapiate, that prefix means into, into the feast, as in somebody who participates in feasting, a feaster. And specific to the feasts of those days was the great celestial wedding feast that was all about sexuality and sexual expression. It was the literal joining together of the god and the goddess in pagan culture. It wasn't about somebody's wedding, oh, John's marrying Mary or something like that. No, it was the, it occurred at the spring equinox. And in the 15th century, that oration of St. Gregory, that was a specific prohibition against that very pagan rite because of its sexual content. Christianity loves sexuality. We know that. So that's what they were demonizing. So, and again, if you watch my videos, you'll see where I, I, I piece the picture completely together. The very feasts being, being authorized and being officiated by Christian priests specifically was that particular feast only. And that was in an attempt to take it to Christianity or like, you know, weasel their way in and be like, right. oh, we're going to just, just look over here instead and then Beautiful. pull them away. Exactly. Exactly. We did the same thing in, uh, you know, in, uh, uh, let's see here, the pantheon of gods in pagan religions became the saints. That's how Christianity got in, you know, Roman Catholicism got in there. They turned them into the saints and bit by bit by bit until now you can't worship that pantheon anymore. It's just the saints and God and all that. Now we've completely turned. Well, this was the first process in that it occurred in the 15th century, but it said no more. And they punished the Christian priests that were alive at that time who were still doing this. But in Father Vampire's time, that would have made perfect sense for him to say, hey, look, guys, I'm one of you. I'm a feaster. and I'm also insatiable. I'm a vampire. That would have made him such a perfect thing to go in and help to proselyte in favor of Christianity. Okay, we don't know any more about Father Vampire. All we have are those words. That's it. We don't know any more about him. Okay, so anyway, that's so with all that said, and I don't know how late we're getting over oh, getting late. Okay, I'm only, I'm only gotten through the vampire part, haven't gotten any further back. Yes, mm What happened in the 17th century when they were open? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there's also the possibility, and this is a great question, because I think there may also be a possibility uh, that, again, if this is genetic and everything seems to hint that it is, it's not something you can learn. It's something you either have or you don't. That indicates a bloodline. That indicates genetics then you may have many men out there that are this way and they don't know why they're that way. Because when something goes on and on and on, especially after the calamity of the Holocaust that occurred, you would have found people, you know, survivors, and you may find it starting to skip a generation because they're no longer in their community. So you may find a father not knowing what to tell his son and the son may have this ability and the son, his sons don't have the ability. So in other words, once you start skipping generations or whatever, you end up with people like our research subject 
who, because he told us, my dad isn't like this. Nobody I know is like this, okay? He has no idea why he is the way he is. I understand now why, but he didn't. He was trying to find out, why am I so different? Of course, all we could do is, you know, document it so that we could put it out there that it actually exists, but we don't know why, and we're not allowed to research to find out anymore. So that is why I feel we don't find them out there today, is a majority of them are probably, I, I like to call them lost boys, using a vampire term. In other words, they don't have a family. They don't have a family like them that they can go to and try to figure out why they are the way they are and how to what to do with it or not do with it. It's interesting, too. I want to just say, like, even, what, maybe 60 years ago, they were treating, like, redhead kids or kids with Down syndrome and just, like, throw them in an asylum and let them rot. But it's like, those kids don't know why they have that. They don't know why they're different. But it's like, now we're, you know, with the advancements of medical stuff, it's like, we're realizing, like, oh, our parents may have been depressed, but they didn't know how to deal with it. And, like, that's not that long ago. So, like, nobody's educating them. You know what I mean? Like mental health has not been a priority and depending on who you talk to still isn't, but like, you know, how many people that are like in their thirties or whatever had parents that were just like, whatever, you know, rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. Like, why do, why do all the, the kids now we're all whiny and complain? It's like, well, there's something there. And it's like, that's not that hard to believe. Cause we're still in the middle of trying to convince people in the world, how important mental health health. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. And it's like, so it's not that unbelievable to talk to some, talk about something so taboo Mm -hmm. on top of that. Christianity's like, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's like biggest it's ever been right. Like biggest in what sense? Uh, like membership, the the number of, yeah. Of Mm -hmm. people who would consider themselves Christian that would, you know, try and reject the sexuality of it Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just like, it makes it so, it just, it, I can't believe it's this recent. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of weird to me. Uh, two questions real quick. I want to know what the stone wall was that dropped and like how they tried to silence you or who, I know you can't really say who, who, but like, mm-hmm. you know, was it the organization? Was it big pharma, whatever? Like, what was that stone wall? Okay. And also how many times did that guy come? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, this takes us into a different area, but no, that's a great question. I I'll know. Be, I'm happy to answer. Okay. He reported to us because he was married and we even interviewed his wife to make sure that, you know, he wasn't trying to pull a fast one on us because we don't, we don't want to dedicate money to something and only find out that, you know, it's a hoax. So, uh, but he had been married several years and uh, according to her, it was not uncommon for him to have double digit orgasms with her. Okay. So once we found out that it was legit, Okay, then we were more interested then, but he had no reason why, he, you know, no, no understanding of why he was the way he was. He just knew that he was. Um, as to how the stone wall came down or what it was, when we started to go around, because after, like I said, after the media uh, blitz that occurred and after we were invited and uh, presented at the 13th World Congress of, of Sexology, and there's a story there, but I don't have time right now. I oh, have so much I could talk about. Um, but after that, every bit of interest just dried up like somebody had turned off a key, turned off a, a, a faucet, okay? We were getting interest, you know, okay, let's, let's do research here and people offering and everything else. Number one, Rutgers University said we're not going to do it anymore. They gave us no explanation. What's that? They just don't get it, exactly. Or maybe they do, or the powers that be that do, and they're just telling them, no, we're not going to allow it. Uh, I even attempted to get interest in 
uh, places in England and also mainland Europe. And I got a phenomenal responses from people who had the very equipment we needed to be able to proceed to the next level. And paperwork was filled out, communications were in line, everything was getting ready to go, and then all of a sudden, no contact further. We couldn't get them on the phone. We couldn't get any responses to our emails. It was like I said, somebody just turned off the faucet. Mm. And that happened after the same thing had happened to us in America. We thought, well, maybe we need to go to a different country. And that's when we started investigating places in England and also in Europe. No interest whatsoever from anybody. So we finally gave up. There's only so much we can do. Um, so anyway, that is the situation. And that was when I became determined to find out why. Okay. Well, the next level of testing would be to begin to understand what the physiologic or the, the psychophysiologic triggers were for the refractory period. Why is it that after ejaculatory inevitability, when that begins to happen, something is triggered? Now, if you want to, I don't want to get too deep into this because I got more things to, to talk about here. But uh, Kinsey, if you know who Alfred Kinsey is, okay, and his work has been demonized and it appears to be very justifiably so, but still, we do have data there. And it talks about how prior to adolescence, there are many accounts of boys in his data being able to be completely multi orgasmic, up to double digits. Something seems to change at adolescence. Now, whether that is true or not, we don't know. Because, again, we're not allowed to research. So there's so many questions to even begin to understand. We don't even know where to start, but we needed to start. That's why we had neurological studies that were being formed. We had additional testing on this man to be able to demonstrate further. Because here's what happened. This answers the second question you had. How many times did he come? There was a problem in the laboratory. You have to understand what this guy was put through, and I'll give you an idea of how difficult this was, okay? If any of you were to, you know, be asked to masturbate, okay, in front of a camera and in front of, you know, people observing you in a completely sterile environment, no partner, just you, and maybe if you, you know, looking at something or like a video or something like that, that's all you have. And you're expected to, okay, go, how many would you be able to have, no matter how multi-orgasmic you are, knowing you're being observed? So, okay, well. I'm, I was going to say, that's the only way I can when I'm being observed. Yeah. <laughs> that's was, my fetish. Joke's on you. He, he's, <laughs> I like being a lab. I like being a guinea pig. He was pig. the research subject. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll out him right here. There we go. Um, okay. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, we'll talk later. Okay. So what happened was, is he was placed into a room. He had a tray filled with, and forgive this if it's a problem for anybody, but I'm just telling the scientific facts here, filled with empty Petri dishes. And that was what he was going to be using to gather or to collect his ejaculate each time because we had to make certain he was not using techniques. In techniques, you'll only have a little bit coming out each time because they're holding back or none. Okay, so again, we, we did everything we could so that it was absolutely positive what we were documenting was real. Okay, so he had 12 of those, and if he needed more, we were going to go get them. Okay, he had 12 of those. He was in a little teeny tiny room. All he had was a VCR, okay, and a tape that he had brought, and it was just standard stuff, nothing bizarre. Okay, and he was then basically hooked up to all kinds of machinery, well, kind of machinery, I remember he had a uh, a blood pressure um, he had a blood pressure cuff on, 
He had a, I think it was one of those things that you put on your fingers to, to measure your, uh, your pulse, a pulsometer or something like that. Okay. Uh, and then, but the, 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 the thing though that I couldn't believe that they were making him do the most difficult of all is he had something called an infrared pupillometer. And that was placed on a desk in front of him. It has a chin strap here. Oh, this is getting fun. Um, and so what it was is that whenever he was about to have an orgasm or having orgasm, he had to lean forward, place his chin in this chin rest, may look straight into the camera so that his pupular diameter could be measured. <laughs> so he couldn't move. Okay. And he, and then he had to state in literally state out loud, his perceived level of arousal from zero to 10. Brian, can you reenact this? I want that tape. <laughs> How much for that tape? I just want to see it. Just to give you an idea. 70, 80, 90, 100. <laughs> he wins. Okay. Now, here's where it gets really I didn't interesting. I need the hand gesture. I need it. Every two minutes, in other words, the, the test started, every two minutes, regardless what was going on otherwise, the blood pressure cuff would inflate automatically at every two minutes. When that happened, he then had to lean forward, put his chin in the chin rest, what I just described to you, okay? Have you ever had your blood pressure taken several times in a row? Oh. You know how painful that gets? Yeah. Okay. This guy had to do, go through that every two minutes. And every two minutes, he had to state his perceived level of arousal from zero to 10 while leaning, putting his head in so they could measure his pupillar diameter. Okay. And then on top of all that, every time he had an orgasm, he'd have to state out loud, I am having an orgasm, which would cause the blood pressure cuff to, and repeat the whole process through the orgasm while at the same time collecting his ejaculate in each separate Petri dish. That's talent. He okay. is a god. Yeah. So you're saying that's not normal? <laughs> well, oh, if it's man. a hobby, it might be different. <laughs> I don't get out of bed until that happens. Yeah. Okay, so here's the crux of the whole thing. Let me, let me get through this. In 36 minutes, he had six orgasms okay. with full ejaculation each time. Two of those orgasms was only two minutes apart. Okay. He would have been able to continue on and on and on, except for one thing that we have never been able to satisfactorily explain. Somebody had cut the air conditioning in the room. After he left, he had sweat because he finally had to call a halt to it because he said it was too hot. I went because I was in the observation. I went and checked the temperature in there. It was 83 degrees. Oh. There was no air conditioning. He had sweat running into his eyes. He was in agony because of the salt and everything else. And he finally had to say, I have to call a halt to this. And he came out apologizing to us that he wasn't able to do better because he could. This, is, this was not normal for him. It was normal for him to have double digits. <laughs> He's married. Yeah, he had a wife. I, mean, I don't know if he's still married. straight, but I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, he was a straight guy. Mm. So, mm. Uh, and, and we knew that also because the, the porn that he brought that he was watching was stereotypical straight. There was not, like I said, it wasn't anything, you know, there wasn't, you know, weird stuff going on. Uh, it was, that, that's what it was. That's what, what he liked. So, yes, I would say he's straight, probably still is to this day. Okay, but that was just a little bit like, you know, once again, when the sound barrier was broken, they didn't go for Mach 5 then. The point was to be able to show that it could be broken, that what was physiologically impossible wasn't. 
and we documented that. So we were very glad that we were able to do that, but we wanted to be able to go on further, be able to make sure things were better the next time and everything else. We never even got the chance. 1995. So it's going on 30 years now. No, I don't know. <laughs> Brian? No way if we could find the guy. <clears throat> yeah. Those are rookie numbers. I can do that. <laughs> Give me 37 minutes. Okay. Well, we're getting late in the time, so th- there's one thing I want to, because I have to jump way back when. Uh, where did all this come from? Did it start with the vampires? No, it did not. I told you this was at the very end. I had been tracing, because at first I thought there's no, there's no precedent to this. It's never been done before. Until... Excuse me. I found it. It's been well documented and we've known about it for at least a century. And yet to this day, even archaeologists and anthropologists consider, oh, this must just be a metaphorical reference, but it's not. And it's ancient Sumer, the first civilization on this planet. I mean, full fledged. I'm going to talk about Gobekli Tepe. That was a minor type of society. But the first full-fledged civilization with writing, mathematics, architecture, sciences, art, art, uh, artesian skills, metallurgy. Oh, my gosh, metallurgy. All of this, city planning, government, banking, money, all the things that we need without any one of which society cannot survive, all of a sudden, whammo, seem to appear almost geologically or, you know, historically speaking, almost overnight about 6,000, 5,000 BCE. Okay, where did it come from? Well, according to the Sumerians, it came from only one place. It came from the stars. They state it wasn't us that created this. Instead, the gods descended and established this for us, gave us all of this knowledge, and jump-started us on our way. How long has the human species been on this planet that we know of? I'm talking about modern humans. Anybody know? Very close. 300,000. It's been backed. And maybe, maybe it's 500,000. We don't know. But to present day, it used to be 200,000. Only about, about five years ago, they now found evidences pushing that back another 100,000 years. Now, I want you guys to think about this. Sumer was the first true civilization on this planet. That means that for 290,000 years at least, modern humans with the same mental, physical capacities that all of us here have today never thought and were never able to create civilization on this world. And then whammo, only about 10,000 years ago, we have it. Okay? And according to the Sumerians, they didn't bring it to us. They didn't develop it. The Anuna or the Anunnaki gods who descended did. And when the Anunnaki descended onto this planet, the Sumerian king list, I wish it brought it in. The Sumerian king list, I have a replica of it out in the car, okay, literally states on there on line 42 and 43 that the, the gods descend, or the kingship, it says, descended from heaven. And then there were eight antediluvial kings, kings before the flood. And then it says, the flood swept over, and kingship descended from heaven again. That means twice they descended because the civilization had been destroyed. So they had to descend again to reestablish it. So what does that mean? What does it mean to descend and establish kingship? 
Well, if you study Sumerian history, you learn that Sumerian kings were not like normal humans. Instead, the Anunda gods descended, mated with human females, and developed a bloodline of demigods who were worshipped. Any of this ringing a bell? And here's the clincher, the thing that spins everything on its head. Every year at the spring equinox, there was a very special sacred marriage rite that had to be conducted at the very top of the ziggurat temples in their Holy of Holies. In that rite, that Holy of Holies had only, you know, the Holy of Holies, like in, you've heard about the Jerusalem temple? It had its Holy of Holies. That was a descended, a derivative of the precursor in Sumer because Abraham came from Sumer. Okay, so anyway, going back to Sumer now. This Holy of Holies, unlike the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem Temple that had the Ark of the Covenant, ah, Raiders, okay, all that, okay, had the Ark of the Covenant, had the big uh, menorah and other items in there. Those were the sacred objects to be kept in the most sacred place on earth. In the Ziggurat Temples, on the other hand, there was only one object in their Holy of Holies. Anybody want to venture a guess what that might have been? A bed. It was a large, round bed. At the base of the bed, symbolizing eternity, insatiability, there was a lion chasing another lion. And the symbolism there is that they are eternally chasing themselves around the base of the bed on which eternity was about to be enacted, and it happened every single year. When that happened, here's what happened. The demigod, a male, had to mate with the priestess of the goddess Inanna. Okay? He didn't have to mate with the goddess herself because all women are capable of doing what that priestess is about to do with him. But only the demigod who is about to be king. Oh, I did point this out. The reason why this rite was enacted was because every year the king had to prove himself of the Anuna bloodline. If he did not do what he needed to do in that room, he would no longer be king. And what was that specific task he had to perform? It says it right there. It says, one by one, my fair Dumuzi. Dumuzi is the role that he... I I need to back up a little bit. (laughs) We had the liturgical script used in that ceremony. It's called the courtship of Inanna and Dumuzi. You can look it up. Dumuzi was one of the original antediluvian kings I talked about that's on the Sumerian king list. He was a real person. His bloodline, therefore, is real. Every king thereafter in the Sumerian line was part of that same bloodline. So, therefore, the king took upon himself the role of Dumuzi, his ancestor. And the priestess naturally took upon herself the role of Inanna, the goddess, whose priestess she was. And they would enact this play. And at the end of the play, the culmination of the play, it says that my sweet Demuzi laid me down on the honey bed. One by one, my fair Demuzi did so 50 times. Now my sweet love is sated. 50 times. One by one, that literally means one orgasm after another for a total of 50 times proving that he has the same capacity as do the Anuna gods themselves. Now do you see the connection? 
Now I'm going to blow your minds by saying something else. Where did the flood take place? The whole world. The whole world. That's what everybody thinks. Exactly. Guess what? There's no geological evidence for a worldwide flood. Never happened. Instead, two geologists, and I have the book in the car. It's called Noah's Flood. It's written by two geologists. I have enjoyed conversing, or corresponding, not conversing. I've never met the man in person. But Dr. William Ryan, okay, one of the most preeminent geologists on the planet. Again, all my research is doctorate level. I don't go for beliefs. You've noticed that, hopefully. There's no beliefs, no woo-woo here. It's all the scientific evidences. Dr. Ryan and Dr. Pittman, Walter Pittman, the two of them realized we need to look for the site on Earth where there was a cataclysmic flood that occurred almost overnight. That's the only thing. If we're going to find this flood, it's got to be that because that's the way it's been described in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is Babylonian, not so much, or Neo-Babylonian, um, not so much Sumerian. Uh, but anyway, all in the Bible and everything else, they all talk about a chasmic cataclysm. It's not just a flooding, like a overflowing of the Nile or something that happens all the time, every now and then where the, you know, the water levels rise, but something that happened so fast that an entire civilization was destroyed overnight, such that it appeared to be worldwide and everybody being destroyed. And they found only one site on earth that matches all of that. It's called the Black Sea. At the end of the last ice age, water levels rose to the point that this Bosphorus Strait, that's where uh, Constantinople uh, is today, okay? And it broke through the Bosphorus Strait right where you see the strait today. And it flowed into the Black Sea Basin that before that was a smaller freshwater lake. It's still there today. You can go, go look it up. Black Sea Deluge. You'll find out all about it. And it occurred right at about 6,000 BCE. Perfectly in time. And we have even found ruins of buildings on the original shoreline of that freshwater lake that was suddenly flooded by water ingressing in at the rate of 200 Niagara Falls. Imagine water, the volume of 200 Niagara Falls, jutting or flowing almost horizontally, shooting through the mountains and filling up this basin. Within the space of at least about one week, you'd have the Black Sea flood that we do today. Okay? And guess what we find all around the Black Sea? the very homelands of the Slavic vampire, who was there before the Slavs even arrived. We're right now at about, it's been about two hours, uh, but <laughs> I've been rushing through everything. Uh, I could go much further into this. I can show you where in ancient Israel, the Rephaim, they were called. It was another version of the bloodline where they practiced the sacred marriage rite of Inanna and Dismuzi. They were called Tammuz and Asherah. You can still go to the circle of Rephaim, which is located right now in northeastern Israel, bordering Syria. That's where the Rephaim used to live. And I'm reading a book right now, which is fascinating, by Dr. Jonathan Yogev of Ben-Gurion University in Israel, Tel Aviv, Israel. And he talks about this race, and they practice the same multi-orgasmic sexual rite that they did in Sumer. They're all over the world. These Well, not all over, but certainly in the Fertile Crescent area. Egypt had them too. Men, look up the, look up the god Min. Nobody talks about him. He's the one with an erect phallus because he was called the eternally firm one. And he was originally, he was the deified form of King Menes, who started and unified Upper and Lower Egypt. Menes, Mene, Menu, Min. It's the same word. 
And in the Scorpion Tableau, which was discovered to have been done about 3500 BCE, we actually see him with his soldiers and a band of captives, and we see him with erect phallus as a mortal man. That's the... It comes back to Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's what Indiana Jones is stealing at the beginning of the movie. He's stealing the little statue. Oh, the fertility idol. Yes. <laughs> well, oh, I don't know. that's the same it thing. It all comes yeah. back to Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and it will again because he's going to be, yeah. He, <laughs> we're about to have his. Oh, wanted to point out, happy birthday to Vincent Price and Christopher Lee. Whoa. Today nice. is both of their birthdays. And, of course, Christopher Lee was a great vampire. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, that's it in a nutshell. I don't want to go on beyond this, but I do want to leave time if there are any questions, if we have time. Where can people watch everything on YouTube? Like Father how- Vampire. Father Just go vampire to YouTube, YouTube, look up Father Vampire. Um, if you do YouTube.com forward slash asterisk Father Vampire, or, uh, yeah, ast- no, not asterisk, the uh, at. at sign, yeah. Father Vampire, you'll find it. Uh, but, yeah, I would love to have you guys subscribe if you like. That way you'll be notified every time a new video comes out. I do not on there ask for subscribes. I do not on there ask for likes. It's an academic thing. I'm not trying to seek monetization or whatever. I just want to get this information out because once I go, uh, you know, the, the other researchers are getting much, they're much older than I am even. And uh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to have an opportunity to be able to get this out because once I go, nobody else is going to pick up the torch. At least it's very doubtful. It's up to you, Brian. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the entire fate of the vampires is on my shoulders. There you yeah. go. Wow. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Could be. Uh, Rasputin is an interesting one because he does, you know, the, he was a heavy drinker and had all kinds of other problems, but there seems to be an indication anywhere that you find this gift and it's extremely rare. Okay. I'm not saying that there's nobody, no other male out there on the planet. I'm sure there are other males. And if they are, then they're of the same bloodline. It's just, they've been so scattered because of slaughters through the, and we can go all the way back to the fallen angels. The book of Enoch talks about destroying Literally, go and destroy the children of the fallen angels, or the, the Nephilim, or whatever like that. Those were the bloodline. Jeez. Okay? In Genesis 6-4, where it talks about the sons of God coming in unto the daughters of men and siring children by them. The mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Word for word, it says that. You know what mighty man means in Sumerian and in Babylonian as well, which is where Abraham came from? It means king. They're making specific references to the specific original Sumerian dynastic kings who were demigods, part of the bloodline. That's what they're talking about there. These were the mighty men. These were the kings of old, men of renown. And yet the book of Enoch declares them to be children of fornication, and we need to go destroy them all. You're just witnessing the first phase of their demonization in history. You'd have to have a male capable to be able to even enact it. Okay, what you're talking about here, the spring equinox, every great rite, as Satanism calls it, all of these 
are derived from that original rite that has long since passed in history. Okay, where there is sex involved, where you have, you know, a male deity and a female uh, servant or, or deity or goddess or priestess herself. All of those are direct descendants of the original Sumerian sacred marriage rite. So, yeah, the rite could be enacted, but we'd have to have males like that. Do you have a question? Question over there. Uh, oh, please. Thank you for asking that question. I cannot thank you enough because it, it's the one piece of the puzzle I haven't given. And if you will bear with me a few minutes, I will tell you exactly why all of this got started. And it has to do with, once again, male and female coming together as one. I'm not talking, obviously, other types of sexuality and everything else. That is wonderful. And if that's who you are, then go for it. But our species is dependent upon heterosexual sexuality and procreation. Without it, there is no species. But there's a problem, and that is that the male, and I've talked about this a little bit, there is such disparity between the sexes, okay? A male, when he's growing up, as I mentioned, I, I, I tried to paint the picture of the person fixating on that single bite of food because that's all he's going to get. Because after he has that bite of food, he no longer is interested. There's somebody very close to me in my own family who once told me, after you've had sex, you wonder what the big deal was all about. After you've had sex, you wonder what the big deal is all about. Because that's male, the stereotypical male sexuality. They want it, they want it, they want it. It's everything, everything. Oh, I'm done. Sports, sleep, snacks, snacks. Until the desire returns. Okay? Until the desire returns. So as a result of that, men are preconditioned the same way that you would be conditioned towards food. You guys don't, you know, most people anyway, don't fixate on food all day long. When you're hungry, what do you do? Eat, and then do you give food a second thought? Not until you're hungry again. That's how men tend to think about women. As a result, they underestimate them. They can't appreciate them. They cannot bond with them. And I, I'm being extreme here. Of course they can bond with them, but not to the degree that women wished men could because women can bond so much deeper. What's the difference? In my view, a lot of it might be linked to the male refractory period. If that is true, then what I believe was going on is there was an interbreeding program from the Anuna gods. They came down here, gave us the technology. But what happens to high technology when you don't have the emotional, moral, and sexual maturity to use it right? It ends up self-destructing, and you can end up annihilating everybody. So they came down here for two reasons. To establish and jumpstart us, because we weren't getting anywhere. 290,000 years, hello, hunter-gatherers, that's all we could do. But they realized what the problem might have been. Men. All they're doing is hunting and gathering. <sighs> Look, we're simple, okay? <laughs> we're, just, we're just trying to keep everybody happy. So what they did is they came down and they did a, a two-pronged upgrade program. They said, we're going to give them civilization, which is important to women as well, 
women don't do well just, you know, going around with the men and you know, being dragged by their hair and, you know, and living in caves. So they established civilization, and then they gifted humankind a human genome, something that it desperately needed so that the males could rise to inequality with the female. And that was their initial purpose until normal men began demonizing them. This is something you're going to see, and I could paint this every single time that 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 bloodline appears. We find the same process of demonization and slaughter occurring. And because of that, that program that the Nuna started keeps getting pushed back and back and back. Because normal men keep demonizing them. Why? For the same reason they're pretending to be vampires. They don't like the fact that women prefer them. So therefore, they're not able to procreate at the rate needed to where they're able to finally benefit men to the degree that we're able to go beyond where we are right now. I told you at the very beginning that this goes into everything in human history and human potentials. If this is not stopped, if this is not reversed, if our technology continues to skyrocket while us as a species continue to be so divided at the most foundational level, male and female, I don't know what's going to happen with our species. This is what my message truly is. I use the vampires, the Trojan horse, to talk to you about what truly is my message. They're all related. I didn't, you know, give you a, I didn't bait and switch you. Okay. It's all related. These are all the evidences of what the Anuna have been trying to do. And the last thing I'm going to point out is this. Just a few years ago, and in my presentation, I actually have a video to really make the point. You remember that video that came out? a few years ago, very recently, of the U.S. Navy pilots that caught the UFOs and tracked them and kind of blew the entire secret to the entire world. Is that the Tic Tac one? Yes, the Tic Tac one. The black and white Tic Tac one? Yeah. And finally, finally, the government and the military had to acknowledge, yeah, they're real. Damn right they're real. They have been here from the very beginning of human civilization and long before that. They are the Anuna. They were called the Watchers in the Book of Enoch and the Book of the Watchers, named for them. What is another term? You guys answer me. What's a scientific term for somebody who watches an experiment? They're called a what? Observer. It's just an ancient word for observer. They have been here observing us. Apparently, they have a non-interference directive. Yes, a la Star Trek. Thank you very much, Dean Roddenberry. But it only makes sense. They're not going to come down. When they first came down here, did they establish themselves as gods or kings? No. They established their half-Anuna human bloodline to create that separation needed so that they are not coming in and taking over. They've never done that. I don't care what people are trying to claim. They do not interfere. We have had so many times that planes and other things have fired on them. They've never once fired back. They are observers, and they've been here, and they're still here. Obviously, they have not lost hope in us yet. It's another reason why I'm trying to get this message out. And with that, my part of the presentation is done, but I'm happy to answer any questions. Damn. We covered conspiracy, aliens, sex, vampires, history. I didn't even have a chance to start discussing the historical Jesus. Ooh, spicy. You got that on YouTube? 
Oh yeah. Okay. It will be. There'll be a okay. second series specific to Israel and Jesus and the historical Jesus. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. But think I'm just gonna point this out. Think about it. How was Jesus conceived and born? Magic. Okay. Well, forget the virgin part. Oh. Okay. There was no there's no immaculate conception. It's very simple. It says that the power of the Holy Ghost came upon her and the and the glory of the highest overshadowed her. Therefore, the thing that she was, or the, the baby that she's been, was going to be called the Son of God. This is not anything we find in the Old Testament about the Messiah. It's not there. The Jewish Messiah's father was supposed to be a Davidic descendant, direct Davidic descendant of King David. God is not that. He would never came down here to be a Messiah. He came down here as a descendant of a son of God, as exactly we find precedent for in Genesis 6-4. The sons of God descending, mating with a human female, the child being born as the mighty men or king of old, such as the king of the Jews, for which cause Jesus was crucified, had nothing to do with what those supposed apostles said about him after the fact. And I can go deep, deep into this, including even demonstrating for you in Scripture the very rephimic, vampiric, dark gift trait known to the bloodline of multi-orgasmic response. It's right there in the Gospel of Thomas and Philip. Did you just call Jesus a vampire? I just did. Oh, my God. Vampire Christ is real. What? Drop the mic. Well, don't drop them. We just yeah. bought those, but yeah. Yeah. drop the mic. I, I'm not trying to be flippant here. I'm, I'm dead serious on this. I have studied. He, who would, I know exactly why he was here. It had nothing to do with paying for our sins. It had nothing to do with being a Messiah. He specifically said in Matthew twice, I am sent only unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That means a specific group inside Israel. Think about that. It had nothing to do with the world. Okay. My wife is going. Okay. Yeah. Can we all give it up for Father Vampire, everybody? Wow. My God. Wow. It's been a blast. And I, let me just say last thing real quick. I, I uh, sat through a two hour over that, I think, with Kelsey. Well, we've been two hours now. <laughs> well, true. But I'm you don't have the like, benefit of all the stuff. Yeah, I got to see it all in the presentation and stuff. And like every single thing is backed up by actual citation and books and maps. And it's like, I was like, no way. And then he'd be like, here, it's right here. And I'm like, fuck. No way. And then he's like, no, it's right here in this, this, yeah. this. I'm like, well, like it's all backed up. And That's it's how just I mind blowing. That's how I felt when I was discovering this. Oh my gosh. My wife is the same way. Like, I've been pointing stuff out to her. She goes like, what is it now? <laughs> yeah. I'll just know. I can never watch another vampire movie again without wondering, like, I wonder how long. The truth. Fuck. Yeah. Like, how long can that dude have sex? Look, for, look how much. <laughs> look how much romance, though, is embedded even in our fictions. That romantic nature of the vampire is still there. They demonize him. They twisted it as being a, a thirst for blood. But that same romantic nature you know, women's inability to resist him, you know, all of that. It's, it's, that's the historical part that's true. What was the name? Is it Bella, the one in the uh, Twilight? Yeah. Uh, that's the, the main yeah. chick? Yeah. No wonder she picked Edward. <laughs> Wolfman's like a one and done. There you go. <laughs> and then you got freaking Edward. It's like, check this out. Yeah. You want 50? I'll give you 50. And then Wolfman <laughs> is like, fine, I'm going to have your baby. And then she called it Renesme. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. 
That's what she called. She's like, uh, I don't call it Renesmee. Did you watch all the that. movies? I did, but I didn't pick up on that. I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, anyways, one more time. Father Vampire. Incredible. Yay, oh, my God. Thank you, Mind guys. blown. If you uh, have any questions or whatever, you can also email me at fathervampire at gmail.com. Tony, what's, what's next? How oh do we my, top that? I don't know. Uh, do you have, got any tricks? Tricks? I can juggle with one bottle. Oh, hey. <laughs> Stealing the show again. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, we were going to do some horror trivia. Um, oh, do we have merch to give away? We were going to maybe give away some merch. We have some passes to see the boogeyman. If anybody wants to see the oh, boogeyman. Oh, yeah. We, do we uh, sell posters or were we those have, already handed uh, out? There's some posters at the front. If anybody wanted a boogeyman poster, they're up there. Uh, but if anybody wants to try to test me in some horror movie trivia. Who oh, thinks they can. That's interesting. Should we do the whole audience versus you? Oh, like stump the. Bring it. <laughs> Oh, okay. I, got, I got a question for you. Oh. I got a question for you. I can't even imagine the movies you've seen, so I'm afraid. <laughs> now, this is, this is a, I just told you that today was Vincent Price and Christopher Lee's birthday. Oh, no. Oh, Who, what famous horror movie star's birthday was yesterday? You know what? I... He was also in Star Wars. Oh, God. Oh, come on. That's got to give you the um, Oh, come on, Tone. Tony. Tony. No, don't do that. <laughs> no. uh, I don't remember, but I know what you're talking about because there's like a picture of all three of them together that I yes. saw. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he was also in Star Wars as the guy who destroyed Al Deberon or whatever the name of it was. Alderaan. Alderaan. Yes. Alderaan. Who is it? Oh, Ian McDermott. <laughs> Star Wars A New Hope. The original Star Wars movie. Oh, man. You know, when the, it was, he, Chris, uh, Princess Leia comes up to him. Yeah, James Earl Jones? No, that was Darth Vader. <laughs> Princess Leia? I don't know. <laughs> Get him. Just, just lay it on. Peter Cushing. That's right. Peter Cushing. Yeah. All right. Duh. You win. Forget it. First you question. Wanna... My God. Well, so, what I'm do you sorry, got over I need there, to blow him out of the water. Come on. You guys come up with something. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking is that are we saying that whoever bests you or whoever answers first will get some kind of merch? We do like best of five, maybe. Oh, wait, yeah, but like how how much much do we have to give away? Because I think we got a couple shirts. Okay, okay. All right. So then we'll just kind of throw some random ones out there. So uh, the audience may, I don't know, you can just go, ah, or something like that. Oh, (laughs) make a Bigfoot call. (laughs) You know, yeah, you you (laughs) do a Bigfoot call. All right. So let's see what we have here. Uh, On theme. What was the name of the actor that played the vampire at the center of Nosferatu in 1922? No uh, Googling either. Who knows it? Keep your phones away. Nothing? Do you Ten know? seconds. Max starts with an S. Yes. Max. Anyone before? Come on, he's giving God you the first damn name. Anybody know the last name? Max Headroom. That's Max, it right there. And Tony, Tony has that Max Shrek. Max Shrek. I didn't yep. start with an Shrek? S. Wait, Shrek? Shrek. Shrek. All right, let's try again. Come on, guys. You got it. You got it. You got to Which is also Christopher here. Walken's it's, name in Batman Returns, the best Batman movie. It's like a prophecy. It is. It's the best. All right, everybody. Here's another one for you guys. In The Last House on the Left in 1972, what oh. is the name Mary gives Junior when she gives him her peace symbol necklace? <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> Anybody? Pursuit. 
He he gave these to me with such gusto that he I was gonna. There was no gusto. He was like, "Is that a pass? Is that a pass? That's gonna a be a pass one. for All me." Right. What if anybody the, knows, you get a shirt. What is the name of the clairvoyant character that helps the free uh, the Freeling family in the Poltergeist? The what character? Oh, the Freeling family. Her in name. The Poltergeist. Yeah. What is her name? Hold on. If you know. Gotta yell it out. I wanna I wanna hear some Bigfoot calls if you know. <laughs> Little lady. Edna from The Incredibles. What is the name of the clairvoyance character that helps the Freeling family oh, in the man. This house is clean. <laughs> Anybody. You wanna be just like on our podcast every every week? Like three? You're cooler than Kelsey. I know the actress's first name. Nope. Can't do that again. Max. Right. It is uh Tangia Barons. Wow. All right, let's, what about a what about a more recent one? Oh, good idea. What actress played the character revealed to be the mastermind behind the Ghostface Killer in Scream Four? Scream Four was Emma Roberts. It's correct, Emma Roberts. Oh, Ooh, I got it. Yeah. Now a little bit. Of song. Right. We need somebody to best. We need somebody from there to answer. Yeah. So let's see. We're not leaving till somebody does. Yeah, All right. someone starts throwing out answers. Whatever right. you got. 30 Days of Night in 2007 was set in what American state? Alaska. So come, you gotta yell. <laughs> you can't cheat on your own game, bud. Sorry. He but. wants merch. <laughs> Someone get this man a shirt. Yes. Somebody somebody gets a free one on that one on the way out. All right. Fair All enough. right. Let's your, I'm sorry, Jolo Myers. Let's try to find one that, okay, here we He's go. pissed. I can see it. Audience. At what university are the characters in Evil Dead uh, students of in 1981? What university do the kids go to? Monster U? Anybody. <laughs> I have a good guess. Well, you can't guess it yet. Okay. <laughs> Three, two, Michigan State University. Was that your guess? Yes. How does that feel, Tony? Oh, How does it feel to get it blurred out before anyone else has a chance to get it? <laughs> good. All right. <laughs> good. What do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> Let's try this one. In Insidious, 2010. Oh, no. Yeah, okay, yeah. We got a lot of preparation here, Ooh, so. You're going to get spanked, boy. I haven't seen it. Uh, what does Elise Rayner call the purgatory realm where Dalton Lambert is trapped? Who said that? That, that is correct. Woohoo! Yeah. baby! Wait. <laughs> Way to rock it. That wasn't a Bigfoot noise, but hey, at least oh. you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I what? never saw that movie because... Well, she's got that, small feet. Yeah. That <laughs> report came out that said Insidious is, like, scientifically the scariest movie ever made. Uh, so I was I like... to see it. I was like, I ain't watching that. Did you... <laughs> did Steph make the merch that we're about to give back to her? <laughs> yeah, I think okay, so. Okay, <laughs> so to the person that won the merch, uh, you are no longer able to answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else. We, we didn't You're know too good. Girl. Damn it. <laughs> All right, let's have another easy one for some horror fans. The final scene in Carrie, in 1976 is revealed to be the dream of what character? Character or, or actor? Character. Oh, I don't remember. Who is the character that has the dream sequence? Nope. She's dead. Yeah, okay, who, who is Carrie's, Carrie's homie? homie? <laughs> Carrie's homie. John Three, Travolta. No. Oh my God. Sue Snell. Played Sue. by Amy Irving. All right. In <laughs> Army of Darkness, 1992, the incantation Ash has trouble uh, reciting properly was a reference to what classic sci-fi film? 
This is the only one so far that Anybody? I know. Nope. I know this one. From the. Oh! You, you, sir. It's from the day the earth stood still. Correct. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Easier ones. One. I definitely need to hear some Bigfoot calls on this one for okay. sure. Okay. Where the one lady <clears throat> go out there that had the good one? Who directed House of a Thousand Corpses in oh. 2003? Oh, 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 we got one right there. <laughs> got one here. Gentleman in the front. That is correct. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Victoria got that too. Another merch score. Yeah. All I'm right. Gonna, that's Make two sure you guys are right keeping there. it down. Make sure you guys are the ones. Cholo, that are we know you knew it. If you could just tell us, you know, <laughs> oh, we know you knew speak, it. Man. You got any Halloween <laughs> trivia in there? Uh, I mean, you got a stack of cards, man. I oh, mean, sh- all right. How about let's do another another what I would call an easier one. Who directed the Exorcism of Emily Rose? I love how you look at him every time. <laughs> He's supposed to be like the ringer. He's supposed to know everything. I don't know this one. Ah, oh, Scott, Scott Derrickson. Derrickson. Okay. Let's do, come on, guys. You guys are killing me out there. I know. I know some of you on your Instagram during Halloween are all, oh, <laughs> I love horror. horror. <laughs> I live for horror. Well, I mean, these, these answers would beg to differ is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. In Oculus in 2014, what does Kaylee mistakenly believe she has bitten into when she bites into an apple? This was actually in the movie trailer, another one that I know. I, I oh! saw big, Yes, yes, sir. Is it, is it a heart? No. What specifically? No. That's okay. She was close. Let's give her a prize. It was a light ball. Yay! Woohoo! All nice. right. Let's get one more. Let's get one more right. winner out there. Let's see. Okay. So another insidious question. Dalton is one of how many Lambert children? <laughs> Hold of hand. Who up? Uh, Cholo Myers says five. Four. Wait, one, <laughs> two, three. All right. Four. We need five. an honor system here. Who said three? <laughs> Ten. Uh, back Woo-hoo. there. Way to go. Is that you, Victoria? Ten kids. She gets two shirts. All right. <laughs> Ooh, Cholo one Mar- of my favorites. Let's do another one. All right, all right, all right, right. One of my favorites. Uh, again, I believe, uh, let's see, in Fright Nights, 1985. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. On par. One of my favorite movies. Which character is turned into a vampire? Uh, or, or, I'm sorry. Which character is turned into a vampire? Charlie Brewster, Judy Brewster, Evil Ed, or Detective Lennox? He knows this one. Let me check. Hey, I didn't hear no Bigfoot call. Evil Ed is correct. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> well, what I've concluded from this trivia segment is that all of you guys are liars. We don't and you need to watch more horror movies <laughs> and more scaredy cats. Look, man, I'm just a Bigfoot guy, all right? There's uh, What's the horror convention thing happening? I mean, there's like a thousand of them. Uh, but there's like a one happening here. In the, there's like a Fright Night reunion happening at it. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, I want to hear more about this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What's this? What's it's like that? the artist assemble one? Oh, uh, it's a, it's that one. Okay. You- but speaking of conventions, <laughs> oh, on September 9th at Tap Room One Twenty, way out in New, almost New Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> it's real far. Of course, you guys came out here, so you know. Uh, there's gonna be a scaredy con. <laughs> yeah. No way. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Can we Wonderful. can we say what it is? Oh, just say whatever you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Two words. You guys are all killing me, by the way. It's all up to my cameraman up there now. You That's guys fine. are officially. <laughs> it's all good. Go I ahead. will sit. 
I got two words for you. Blood wrestling. Blood wrestling. We got girls. And I think boys. And men. Wrestling. <laughs> Cholo's out of here. And blood. <laughs> we also going to have... A queen cryptid pageant. Oh, yeah. So if you all don't know what a cryptid is, take a look at my shirt here. We got Nessie, werewolf, mothman, uh, aliens, man. We got Jersey Devil. We have the Dover Demon. We have Bigfoot, of course, the Jackalope. Any kind of cryptid, but in made into like a... Uh, yeah, like made into uh, it's whatever your depiction of a cryptid is, right? The cosplay or whatever. We're going to have a little pageant. We're going to have a little pageant, and I don't know what the winner's. Oh, I think we have a belt. Do we have a belt to give out? Uh, no, the belt. The hello. The oh, belt? that's for blood wrestling. Yeah, the belt's for blood wrestling. Um, I don't know what the winner of the pageant's going to get. But there will also be live bands, lots Boom. of vendors. Yeah. It takes place at a bar, so we're just going to be drinking all day long. So It's like a whole day thing. It's a whole convention. There's going to be lots of vendors and art and cool stuff. Food trucks. Food trucks, at least two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be hot. So anyways, in September, sounds good. Just announcing this is the first time we've even talked about it in public. So it so is, you guys, got oh, 100%. we, this is Excellent. not going out until we get more, th- you know, thing, but yeah, this, you guys are the first yeah, don't, to hear. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. 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 Okay. It stays between uh, us. Blood packs. Yeah. <laughs> up North in Cottonwood on June 24th, we're going to be up there doing another live show for spooky shops. Midsummer night. We're going to also be at Mad Monster all Mad Monster weekend. So stop yeah. by our booth. Yeah, Mad Monster is going to be sick. We are going to be <laughs> back at Majestic Theater Tempe on August 24th showing Birdemic. It's like birds, but worse <laughs> or better <laughs> or worse. It's a little bit of both. It's much worse. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we got a lot going on still. So follow us on Instagram and you'll yep. see. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you guys made it out tonight is incredible. By the way, yeah, give yourself honestly, a round of applause. Thank you so much, everybody, around. driving and helping. Thank you so much because this is like so far for a lot of you, and I, I really like, I respect because there's a lot of people that uh, decided to just like, you know what? I don't want to drive that far. Like, I, I love you. But you guys are here. You guys could be doing so a lot better things on your <laughs> much Memorial better, day. much better. Hey, but you're hey, here with 100%. us, and we love you all. So thank you for being here. Yes, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you for being a part of Scaredy Cast, everybody. One more time for Jacob. One more time for Cholo Myers. Woo! One more time for Daddy Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Let me get a Bigfoot call for Jeff in the back. Yes. <laughs> Give it up for Ghost Light Theater. Ghost Light Theater! Ghost Light Theater. Yeah. If, you wanna, if you got a trivia question correct, make sure that you pick up some merch from us. Go and to Christina. Also, she's, she's in the back. Right. She's got her hands up, I think. There she is. Just find her. She'll give you some merch. And you can also buy some merch, please, for the love of God. And the Patreon. Subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> and uh, if, you know, you guys care, um, just tell a friend. Say, hey, I got a podcast you can listen to. It's pretty cool. That's it. That's Thank uh, you. Love you. Love you guys. Bye. Take care, all.